Welcome to Films from the Phantom Zone, your podcast about failed and forgotten comic book movies, where we watch a forgotten superhero movie and decide, does this belong in the Phantom Zone, or out and about for everyone to rewatch and remember fondly? <laughs> My name is Arnaldo, I'm your host, and I'm joined by Birdo, co-host. So, we said last week we were going to do the movie Steel, but we kind of decided to put that one on the back burner. So we just, I have a friend who's going to be a guest on it. So we're just kind of trying to figure out the logistics of that. So instead, Berta, what movie are we doing this week? Instead, this week we are doing Cowboys and Aliens from 2011. Yeah. Starring Dano Craig, Harrison Ford, Olivia Wilde, directed by John Favreau. Who a lot of people know as the director of Iron Man, the creator of The Mandalorian. Yeah. The director of Chef. Chef. The Chef show on Netflix, which is really good. It's a very that? good show. I love I that love show. I love that show. I haven't seen Chef, though. God, that's that one's always like on the back burner for me. I'm like, I want, I, one of these days I need to watch that. It's so good. It looks really good, and I'm a big fan of Chef show, and they always like use clips from that. Because mm. um, Chef show is, if you don't know, it's a show on Netflix, and it's just like John Favreau and his buddy, who's a chef. It's the guy who they hired as like the consulting chef for the movie chef yeah and they just kind of go around and they cook you know they have guests on that john favreau works with like people in the movie industry yeah they have tom holland in there tom holland <laughs> i think rdj was on there yeah they went to skywalker ranch and uh oh uh dave filoni, dave filoni was on there so it's really interesting uh because if you're into movie stuff and then you're also into like food <laughs> yeah which a lot of people are because like cooking shows are so popular that's like a weird mixture that's like right up your alley. Then that's a really good show. And they make some really good looking food. I've I've written down some of those recipes because they don't provide those recipes. And there's no like measurements because like Roy Choi is one of those chefs who just kind of like cooks by feeling. Right. Which I mean, I guess a lot of them are. So they don't like write anything down. So I'm like kind of trying like, to fill in the blanks. Get the ingredients and like just kind of make it yeah. the taste. And I can cook pretty well. So I'm like, you know, as long as I see him do it, I can pretty much like remember write down or like experiment myself but good show anyway that guy john favreau is the point <laughs> so um this is a movie that kind of flew under the radar even though it had a big marketing push i don't recall people talking about it a lot i remember seeing a lot of trailers and stuff yeah like there was the trailers and it just kind of came out and just kind of fizzled away yeah so this is based on a comic book obviously or else we wouldn't allow ourselves to be watching it yeah, we don't ever watch any movies that aren't based on comic books ever. <laughs> it's been pretty much our lives, honestly. It's pretty much taken over. You know, we joke around, but sometimes I'm like, I need to watch more just like regular movies. Because apart from like rewatching, you know, the MCU and stuff, and then stuff for this podcast, and then it's like, oh, I want to watch Star Wars again, or Harry Potter, or some other thing. And I'm like, when do I have time to yeah, watch like, a I don't, regular movie? I don't have time movie. to watch a regular movie right now. I have, like, I have to watch this. Yeah. So, like, I'm watching this movie that we're going to be talking about, Cowboys and Aliens. And it's supposed to, like, harken back to a lot of, like, westerns. And I'm like, I should probably, like, actually turn this off and watch, like, an actual western for a change. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But sure, let's get right into it. So, Cowboys and Aliens, 2011. So, based on a comic book called Cowboys and Aliens. And just to kind of get the obvious thing out of the way this is a playoff of the term cowboys and indians yeah and the whole movie i mean we're gonna get into it it's kind of it's not a satire but it is like this mini not like don't take it too seriously either but like allegory for like you know 
white people in, invading basically the oh, West yeah. in search for gold. And during the gold rush of like the, you know, the late 19th century, early, early 20th century, and basically like going to war over with the uh, American Indian tribes over that, yeah. right? <laughs> Except this time it's the white people getting attacked. By aliens. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that is the general premise of the movie. But the comic book itself is not really superhero-y. It's just like, because it's about aliens, I'm like, it counts. You know what I mean? It's fantastical enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's almost like, is Guardians of the Galaxy, like, are they superheroes? They're all kind of like normal people of their kind of... Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. they're not out doing good for good's sake. It's just kind of like, yeah. it falls within the genre anyway. Yeah, it's it's not like it's an Archie comic or something exactly. like that. Exactly. You know? Apparently, we were looking up the comic book, and it was from 2006, I think. I don't have it right in front of me. Yeah. They did some shady shit. They, like, inflated the number <laughs> of sales that they did, which convinced Universal to, like, make this movie. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, they sold at a low price, and they sold the comic and books. It made it look like a top seller, even though, like, comic book shops then couldn't necessarily flip that inventory. Yeah. Um, a it, lot of it probably sat on shelves. Yeah. Yeah. So, kind of a weird way to get a movie made. It worked. It makes me feel like, is it that hard to get a movie made? I feel like I could, I could trick someone into buying my book and making a movie on it and giving me millions of dollars and having Harrison Ford in it, right? Like, It might be a little bit harder than that now. Yeah, probably. Yeah, so this movie is available on... Peacock. It's on yeah. Peacock. So the NBC streaming service. Yeah, it's not really anywhere else. And yeah, Peacock is... They tend to have a lot of Universal movies on there. NBC Universal, yeah. Yeah. They merged oh, yeah, in like 2000-something. And there are time codes in the description, so we're going to jump around. We usually do our initial expectations, the plot, analysis, analysis, keeper cancel, cancel, which we'll be talking about. Just uh, Daniel Craig and Harrison Ford, Olivia Wilde, Olivia Wilde, maybe John Favreau, John Favreau, yeah, because he was like mentioned briefly in Daredevil. Oh yeah, you know what? In Daredevil, we said we would talk about him in Cowboys and Aliens. Did we? I think we did. I don't think we talked about him. Well, yes, okay. we did. Maybe okay. four people. What about Noah Ringer, the kid that ruined Avatar? <laughs> I actually, well, yeah, I want to talk about him for a minute, actually. But um, <laughs> So that'll be Keeper Cancel. And then we decide if this movie belongs in the Phantom Zone or not. Also, before we get started, we are live on Twitch. If you like the show, if you want to be a part of it, go on Twitch on most Monday nights. You can talk to us in the chat. Yeah. Cool. So let's just get into it. Are you ready? Yeah, let's go. Okay, so initial expectations. What were yours? I had originally seen this in theaters when it came out. Oh, you've seen this movie before? Yeah, I was relatively young. So, I mean, I was just like, all right, this seems like a... This was 10 years ago. Yeah, I was 17. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. I was just like, all right, this will be a fun movie to watch. And I remember just thinking it was fine, and then that was it. I had never seen it again. So this time going into it, I was kind of just expecting more of the same. Like, it's a fine movie. I'm not going to hate it. So yeah. And for me, I think it's like one of those movies where I'm, I remember the trailer so well, like vividly, and it doesn't seem like it was 10 years ago. It seems like it was just kind of the other day. It's okay. just one, you know, when you procrastinate something so much that like you realize it's like, oh shit, that was like months ago that I said I was going to do that thing. And you still haven't done and it. you still yeah. haven't done it. It's it's like that where I'm like, oh, you know, one of these days I'm going to watch that movie. It looks interesting. Because the trailers <laughs> were pretty good. Yeah. And we, we just rewatched the trailer. We were, we were just like eating dinner. And I put on the trailer just to kind of, like, see it. Yeah, like, it, it sells the movie pretty well, I feel. It just kind of... Sh- yeah, it doesn't really give anything away, and it's intriguing. Yeah. It's cowboys and aliens. It's exactly what it says <laughs> it is, right? 
I don't know. I never saw it, and I kind of I feel like I've always wanted to see it. So I'm glad that we picked it. And then I saw uh, Roberta Orsi and Alex Kurtzman's name on it. And you're it. like, shit. And I was like, god damn it. If there's one fucking secret society in this, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> <laughs> and we did them for Keeper Cancel back in Zorro, right? Legend of Zorro? The, yeah, the second, the second, second Zorro one. movie because yep. they wrote that movie. Or they they took a pass at it because that's what happens in most of these guys' career. They are given scripts that like studios don't want to like pull a trigger on yet. And they're like, all right, these guys know how to make a movie that makes a lot of money and is popular with, like, the kids. Like, the millennials at the time were older now. <laughs> but, like, at the time, you know, they were doing, like, Transformers movies and they did um, Star Trek movies. Yeah. And so they're like, give these guys a pass. They'll put, like, all these little exciting moments, you know, reach the kids. And then, you know, we'll make a lot of money. But really, all they do is make a movie look kind of flashy. But like, and they're more like flash over substance, is what we said. Yeah, remember? visually they can do some pretty cool stuff, but that's really about it. Usually. Yeah, they can write a hell of a trailer, probably. <laughs> oh yeah, they can make you want to see a movie. Yeah, and when their names came up, I was like, oh no, not this. I had zero expectations going in. So cool. Let's get into the plot. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So our hero, Daniel Craig, by the way, he just doesn't have a name. So our hero, Daniel <laughs> Craig, wakes up in the desert. With a wound and a futuristic shackle bracelet on that he can't remove. He's confronted by three cowboys looking for scalps and bounties, but makes short work of them, revealing some impressive fighting skills. He takes their clothes, a horse, and their dog follows him as well. So, I really like this type of uh, show-don't-tell storytelling. Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? Because there's very few, like, words spoken in the first 15 minutes of the movie. yeah. After this short fight, like, the credits roll, and he just slowly rides into town. This feels very, like, western Yeah, too. yeah. And it doesn't feel like... I'm going to compare this to, like, a Marvel movie, because, like, you know how, like, every Marvel movie at some... We've talked about this. At some level feels like they're the same. There is a formula. There's a yeah. formula, or at least, like, you get, like, a, a genre, and they give it a Marvel treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, and one of them is, like, a pace, you know? And this is not like that like it feels like you said like it feels like a western yeah you're kind of thrown into it you're not quite sure what's going on yet yeah like, just like the main character exactly you're like what the hell is that in his hand the little bracelet yeah and he's looking at it, he's like what the hell is this thing he's trying to like get it off and right you're asking questions but like in a good way yeah it's a show don't tell like you we don't know like we're being shown exactly what he's being shown mm-hmm. you know I think this movie's rated PG-13, is what I would probably rate it. It must be. There's no way I think it R. is, yeah. You know what I mean? But it does feel kind of gruesome in a way of, like, what, like, a gritty Western would feel. And part of that is, like, when you see the scalps. Yeah, they're, like, still bloodied. <laughs> There's flies, like, flying around them and stuff. Yeah, they're all, like, long-haired scalps, so they've been, like, hunting the Indians. Yes. You know? As they did. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but it's, you know what I'm saying? is like, they're not going to breeze over it. No. Riding into town, he's met by the town's preacher, who stitches him up and remarks on the strangeness of his wound, saying it's cauterized and not from a gun. They're interrupted by gunshots outside by a drunk Paul Dano. There's so many fucking characters in this that are not worth naming. It's the actor Paul Dano. <laughs> like, that's all you gotta know. His character's name is Percy. <laughs> it is, yeah, you're right. It is Percy. <laughs> he's the rich cattle farmer's son and is given special treatment by the town. In turn, he abuses the town and the bartender Doc, who is also the town doctor. Daniel Craig Cowboy, again, we don't know his name yet, so 
Daniel Craig, uh, stands up to him as the sheriff arrives, who arrests him reluctantly. Because <laughs> he's like the rich man's kid. Yeah. Right? Like, he's drunk, he's fooling around, ends up accidentally shooting a deputy. Yeah. <laughs> but he didn't shoot the sheriff. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's the opposite of the song. Yeah. This was the doc, the bartender, Sam Rockwell. Yes. He's fantastic. He does a wonderful job. Yeah, he's fantastic. This is an all-star cast, which we're going to get into. And it's kind of the main selling point of this movie. is like, hey, look at all these of your favorite actors that are like being put together. There is something about Paul Dano that I just, I do not like him. Like the actor? Yeah, I think it's just his face. You know, he has like a really weird looking kind of he's face. He's got kind of a punchable looking face. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It doesn't help that he plays like a little shit in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like his characters in other movies, but I, I really like, can't. Like when Daniel Craig knees him in the dick, yeah. it's honestly kind of satisfying. For sure. So Daniel Craig goes into a saloon where he's approached by Olivia Wilde's character named Ella, who recognizes his bracelet and assumes he also lost his memory. The sheriff arrives after seeing a wanted poster with his face on it. He is apparently Jake Lonergan, a notorious bandit. He fights the deputies but is knocked out and taken to the jail, where the sheriff shows him his wanted poster and tells him of the crimes he's wanted for, one being the murder of a prostitute he has vague memories of. So, I guess his wife was a prostitute? Or, I I feel like there's an assumption that all these women are prostitutes, too. Yeah, they make the assumption that, like, every... Because when Ella walks up to him in the bar, he goes, no, I'm just here to drink. Yeah. (laughs) Like, dismissing her. I mean, there is, like, some legitimacy there, because, like... If you look at the history of saloons, they were incredibly problematic. Like, saloons ruined a lot of towns because it was a place where only dudes were basically allowed in and they would just get drunk and, like, ruin everything. And <laughs> start so, shooting each other. Yeah, it was, it was buildings. A, yeah. yeah. Saloons were, like, a serious problem. Like, it was saloons helped convince people of, like, the temperance movement, of, like, abolishing alcohol. Because there was such of like this connection to like just alcohol to like extremely drunken behavior in saloons by men. Yeah. Like, because of that connection, a lot of women stopped drinking because they're like, this is like what violent men do when they are like drunk and disgusting. And so if you went in a saloon, you probably didn't see women unless they were there to like prostitute themselves. True. So and there is legitimacy there. I'm just saying it's probably yeah. a coincidence, but <laughs> I don't know. It also seems like what's his face? John Favreau is a big fan of westerns. Yeah. So he, I mean, that might be a detail that like he's aware of too. But I don't know. It could also be a sexist joke for all we know. That's true too. It was 2011. Yeah. Which does not feel like it was that long ago. It Fuck. really doesn't when you think about it. Again, I feel like I just saw the trailers to this movie a few years ago. <laughs> Also, the drawing on the wanted poster isn't very good because it took me a second to be like, is that Daniel Craig? Do oh. you have the right guy? Also, in that uh, in that scene when they rip off the poster underneath for like a second, you see a picture of John Favreau. Oh, like the, he's on the next poster? Yeah. That's a fun little Easter egg. <laughs> Meanwhile, Harrison Ford's character, Colonel Dollarhide, who is the cattle farmer, so... Percy's dad, uh, is investigating one of his ranchers who lost some cattle to a mysterious bright light. He's told that his son has been arrested along with Jake Lonergan. He rolls into town with his posse and demands the sheriff give him Jake, who apparently robbed him of his gold. At this moment, bright lights appear on the horizon and Jake's bracelet lights up and starts beeping. The lights are planes that start firing down on the town and grappling up villagers. 
The bracelet expands and Jake discovers it's a futuristic weapon and shoots his way out of the carriage. He then shoots down a plane. Hey guys, it's time for a quick break and we will be back in a flash. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. He also broke Percy's arm. <laughs> yeah, they were shackled together. And he's like, come here, I'm going to I'm gonna get us out of this. He's like, okay. And he just like breaks his hand <laughs> and slides the shackle off. And he's just like, like ah! screaming. It was, it was funny. There was, yeah, there's some, there's some funny bits in this actually. Yeah. And this scene where uh, the town's being attacked by the aliens is actually like really good. It's so like chaotic and it's like, what the hell's going on? And like the build up to it's good too because like, you see the spacecraft like flying toward them, and they like disappear for a second, and then yeah. like everyone's like, "What the hell?" And then they just appear again and start shooting down on them, and literally just like grabbing people. So part of the premise of this movie is like you're familiar with alien movies; you've seen a million of them. Those are all set in present day. But what if aliens came like a hundred years ago? Yeah. Then what? You know, like is it over? Like because we don't have like <laughs> missiles and planes, yeah, or cars or that much electricity. Like, oh, we have our fucking six shooters. Yeah. <laughs> they got a couple rifles and yeah, and they have some um, you know, dynamite. So and like horse drawn carriages and bows and arrows and tomahawks. We see later. <laughs> So that in and of itself is a super interesting premise. And I think all around, like, Cowboys and Aliens, like, is a great premise. Yeah. for. And when this was happening, I didn't get, like, pulled out of the movie or anything thinking, like, wow, this is ridiculous. I was like, I believed that that was happening to them. What if the movie wasn't called Cowboys and Aliens? What if it was called something else and you didn't see the trailer and you're just sitting in this and then fucking Aliens appear? I don't know. Would you <laughs> like it more? I mean, I would. I would. Unless I thought I was watching, like, a legitimate, like, Western drama or something. Yeah. It's, like, up to this point, it's, like, straight-up Western. Like, that's the tone of the movie. And it's not a bad Western. No, it's fine. Like, it's good. (laughs) It's a good first act for, like, a Western movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's got all the 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 elements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one part. That's, like, the one element that you're like, all right, what's going on here? But I think if I saw that, I'd stand up and clap. Like, if I went to go see a Western and Mm -hmm. then fucking aliens show up i'm like okay this is a huge swing but like is it a hit or is it a miss you know what i I, mean but i'd applaud it just for taking the swing right like this is fucking babe ruth like pointing at the outfield you know what i mean yeah (laughs) this is it i'm gonna knock it out (laughs) so part of me is i'm like this movie has to be called cowboys and aliens because if it's not people would leave the theater i think you know what i mean like normal people aren't ready for this kind of like bait and switch they would call it a bait and switch i'd call it a happy surprise like <laughs> a subversion of expectations is what i would yeah call like that. what if the movie was just called like <sighs> just like uh, uh, something something out west or <laughs> true <laughs> grit too yeah <laughs> true, true grit part two <laughs> aliens show up and to your point like no the action sequences in this are really good um, yeah it gets a little towards the end we're gonna get there it gets a little samey towards the end 
Yeah. But for the most part, I'm like, this is... It's and solid. It's, and it's very well shot. It's almost like... Because this is John Favreau who, like, has, at this point, had just shot two Iron Man movies. Yeah. You this know, was, like, and, right after Iron Man 2. Yeah. And those movies, say what you will, like, we disagree a lot about Iron Man 2. Great action. Like, I all the don't Marvel like movies. that movie. Okay, but great action. Good action, right? though. And I think it's better action than Iron Man 3. It's a, that's, a whole, <sighs> that's a whole other conversation. But he know, obviously knows where to put the camera and, and what to do. And yeah. He's incredibly competent. Make sure you obviously. know what's going on during the action. Yeah. Some of this that I really like here is that we don't see an alien for like another half hour after the scene. You yeah. know what I mean? It is so from the perspective of like the victims of this attack that all you see is lights. There are some nice like classic alien tropes in it. Like there's beams. Yeah. And then there's like the grapples. Like that's a little bit of like it's almost like a little bit of cowboy visual language. You know what I mean? They're getting because like wrangled. They, yeah, they're like yeah. roping up like cattle basically. Yeah. Which is like a fucking sport. <laughs> Later on cuz I when I saw it I was like, "Oh, they got grappled up." Like that's how I interpreted it. And then one of the characters is like, "Oh yeah, they roped up all our people." Uh, and I'm like, oh, that is what they did. <laughs> like, it is what they're yeah. they're like literally they're... being cowboys to the cowboys, you know, which is kind of great. No, that's a fun <laughs> little like thing. It's a fun little yeah. metaphor and a little visual gag, I think. And we get a little a uh, little bit of an almost glimpse at an alien. You hear like one attacking somebody inside of like you a see, building. You see a shadow. You see you see yeah. like blood splatter on the window, and then the alien runs away. Yeah, it's intriguing to me. That's how you do an alien movie. You know what I mean? It, you shroud it mostly in mystery until yeah. like later on because it's scarier. Though there's some right? stuff that reminded me of like Predator in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh for sure, or like Alien, or like yeah. just you know you list all your favorite or at least best yeah. executed Alien movies. Close Encounters. It de- cl- Close Encounters. I mean, you like never see the aliens in that movie, do you? I don't think you like ever the- really do. It's more of just like it's such a mystery. Yeah, yeah. It's like you feel the presence of them the whole time, right? that makes sense independence day also which i'm going to compare it to in a little bit which is arguably not a good movie but i like it a lot it has an incredible speech in it yeah (laughs) jake and dollarhide again so jake is daniel craig and dollarhide is his name is like colonel woodrow dollarhide yeah he was like a colonel in the war presumably the civil war yeah um but also uh, i think the mexican-american war was fought around this time too out west what was this 1870 something okay also dollar hide what a fucking name oh yeah yeah, yeah. and that's harrison ford (laughs) so jake and dollar hide investigate the plane before hearing a scream and witnessing the shadow of a creature who runs off yeah yeah yeah. dollar hide tries to recruit jake saying he owes him but jake refuses and leaves town in the morning followed by ella who says the creatures took her people and wants his help to find them he refuses and rides off she joins the town in their search for the aliens so for me, there's a lot of like repeating plot points going on to the point where it feels like filler. So you're going to see a lot of Ella going to Jake being like, you have to help me. And Jake's like, okay. And he's like, no, what do you want? And then like they get interrupted. And then there's a lot of dollar Hyde is like, you got to help us. And Jake says, no. And he just leaves. There's a lot of that going on. And then he just comes back like two scenes yeah, later. But then they all come back together anyway. Yeah. So it's almost like they're like, all right, we got to fill for a time. It's like padded. It's like, help me. No. And then like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll help you. Yeah. So what, what have we been doing for the last five minutes? Nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, again, Orsi and, and Kurtzman, a lot of times like 
they write a lot of really good moments to the point where by the end of the movie you're like, wow, that movie was really good. And then like five minutes later you think about it, and then like an hour later you're like, what? Wait a second, like that's not. That's what we were saying with Zorro because we yeah. had like that really good moment with like um his son and him. Remember with the, no, the I already whole, forgot that whole movie. <laughs> the whole speaking Spanish part. Oh yeah, yeah that was that's a good really little cool. Bit. It doesn't make sense in context, but it's good. Yeah, you, you <laughs> needed to workshop that a little bit yeah. more. Jake arrives to his old home, where in a flashback we see him returning to his wife with stolen gold. When suddenly the gold melts and is beamed up through the roof. He and his wife are abducted, and we see flashes of them on board the alien ship. So I'm not a huge fan of this little section here because we were doing really good with this like Western feel. (laughs) And then you get kind of like spoon fed this flashback. You know what I mean? This flashback would have worked in a later scene. Maybe. Yeah. I could agree. It would have worked a lot better in a later scene, and I think you know what scene I'm talking about. Remind me when we get there. Okay, because he has like two more flashbacks, so like maybe somewhere in there. Yeah, but it it does feel like you know instead of having a little bit more mystery, you just kind of like, oh, uh, he he got abducted by aliens. That's what happened. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So Jake returns, and then he just goes back. So like, what was the point? You know what I mean? It's like we were, we were just saying. It's like a little bit of filler where he just goes in one direction. He's like, actually, I'm back. It was a subplot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jake returns to meet up with Dollarhide and the rest of the town's posse. They ride until they find a riverboat upside down and nowhere near a river. They camp here. Dollarhide bonds with the little boy, Ang, and gives him a knife. You mean Ong? Ong. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't remember his name. It doesn't matter. He's, a little, he's the little boy in the movie. Uh, I'll just keep calling him Noah Ringer. (laughs) Yeah. The preacher teaches the doc how to shoot, and Ella tries to help Jake remember his life. His bracelet starts beeping, signaling the aliens are nearby. So, to me, there's a little bit of unnecessary sexual tension here for characters that I don't believe are going to end up together. (laughs) She's like, we don't know anything about her. We just know that she's tried talking to him twice now, and he refuses to. And he's like, go away. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then now he's like, shirtless obviously um had nudity this yeah you, you gotta do it and she walks in and he's looking at his wound she's like oh i can help you with your wounds and so she's like lightly touching his chest and he's you like know, what are you doing it's a trope that you see in a million movies yeah and it's completely unironic like this is you know this is what they put in the movie <laughs> but you haven't given these characters any dialogue yet basically they've just said the same things back and forth to each other like please help me and he's like stop talking to me Back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. <laughs> and now we're supposed to believe that, like, they're attracted to each other? She is very beautiful. I mean, obviously they're both attractive people, <laughs> but that's not enough story-wise, no. No. right? <laughs> I don't know. And then Daniel Craig, he's had, like, four lines up to this part. And it was charming at first, you know? But now I'm like... You gonna talk? Yeah, like, <laughs> are you the character here? Are you, are you the protagonist? Like, what's... Are we supposed to, like, insert ourselves into... <laughs> is, yeah, is this like a game of Zelda? <laughs> like, Link, like, famously doesn't talk. Yeah. It's assumed that he's speaking to people, but, like, we don't see it. <laughs> Honestly, I think they should just make him talk by this point. If it's to the point where other characters are actually speaking, like, with voices and everything, and Link just goes... <laughs> yeah, well, they haven't done that yet. They still That's use, like, text boxes. A little bit. Oh, there's the cutaway scenes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, what do you think about some of these little scenes here? Like Aang. I like them. The preacher and the doc. Yeah. 
Like, I like that these characters are getting to know each other, and we're also getting to know them a little bit. Yeah. It feels like a like a classic Western thing as well, though. Like, they're going out on, like, a... They're going out on, like, this yeah. journey together. Right. And they're, they're kind of bonding along the way, because, like, who else is around, you know? Yeah. And I like stuff like that. I really like most of these characters. Yeah. The Preacher is played by Clancy Brown. Mr. Krabs. Yeah, Mr. Krabs. And also a million other things. The guy's yeah. got a huge filmography, and we talked about him in... LXG? No, no, no. no. Uh, he was in um, Electra. Was he? Was he not? Was it Electra he was in? I know we talked about him. I just don't remember in what. Anyway, he's great. Sam Rockwell is great. I love those characters. Yes. Um, even, I'm going to give him credit, Little Boy Aang. No, he's, he's not bad, not in, this bad movie. in this movie at all. He he's was pretty terrible good. in Avatar, though. Yeah, sure. But he's not bad in this. And I liked his little moments with Harrison Ford. Yeah. I thought, I before the aliens showed up, I thought Harrison Ford was going to be the villain. Because that's what the first act paints him out to be. Yeah. Like, his son's this little piece of shit. He's going to come to the town, fuck everything up. And he's, like, mean. <laughs> yeah. He's, like, torturing that guy because, like, his cattle are dead. Because the aliens he's killed like, him. Who goes around blowing up people's cows? <laughs> That's what he said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I was just expecting him to be the bad guy. I'm like, oh, this is going to be interesting. It's like, no, he's actually like this kind of nice guy. Yeah, he's just kind of like rough around the edges. But has he ever been a villain before? Like in any way. Like, like I, full on villain? Yeah, like I, I don't think, think there's so. filmography. I'm like, oh, he's always the hero. Like, like yeah. almost always. Anti-hero sometimes. Sometimes, but... sure. Anyway. So it was kind of unclear, but little boy Aang, that kid, is he the sheriff's grandson grandson yeah okay cool no because because sh- i guess the sheriff was like taking care of him while his parents were away well while his dad is away dad is away yeah i guess his mom is like dead oh yeah because his mom's buried in that town so he doesn't really have like a father figure um and dollar hide is kind of like giving him like rough advice yeah. right there's also another character that was like sort of like another son to dollar hide yeah, yeah, the, the native really... american guy yeah nat is that his name i think his name was nat. so like one of his like ranch hands basically yeah um and i didn't write his name down but i said he's like mexican apache i think it's kind of what he looks like yeah but, no he's because he said like he like was from mexico now he could be apache and be from mexico i think they're like mostly in texas which is on the border of mexico so like sure sure, sure. i mean i don't know it's possible yeah, he could be half mexican half apache yeah but, um i i want to say he says something to that effect anyway but yeah all these characters have like history they all feel like real people that live in this world yeah and all these side characters i feel like are more developed than daniel yeah Craig. Uh, they're at least more explored <laughs> than daniel craig who's given like very little yeah, this to is, do, basically this is, it feels like the main characters of this movie that you care about are all the side characters yep yeah, mm-hmm. and they're kind of having like, their own little movie. Yeah, I like them a lot more, and some of their subplots are really good too. Yeah, um, like I said, I like the one with Harrison Ford is like trying to like teach teach Noah Ringer how to be, how to be a, like man. a man, like the Wild West style. Like he kind of tells him about how like he had to like kill a man, slit his throat with a knife. Yeah, like, like out of knife. out of mercy, like that's what makes you a man. You know, yeah. like which is okay, but according to you, um, and then uh, the like kind of hard nosed preacher. And, you know, the more kind of educated bartender slash doctor doesn't need to use a gun. And so, like, he's like, you want people to respect you. You need to get a gun. And learn yeah, because his it. problem is, like, he feels like nobody respects him. Like, right. people walk all over him. Exactly. Yeah. The subplot is, like, he tries to teach him how to use a gun this whole movie. 
And we see, like, shots of him practicing and just missing bottles. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we finally see an alien walk by Aang and gets real close to him. They sort of look like fish monsters with exoskeletons. Uh, his chest opens up and small hands appear, seemingly to examine the boy. The preacher arrives to shoot the alien but gets stabbed. Jake arrives and shoots the alien away with his bracelet. So I thought we could like take a moment to like talk about like the alien design because here's a problem I think you're going to get a lot of times now when you do like an alien movie. Every design's been done. <laughs> yeah. How do you make an original looking alien now? You kind of can't. can't. It's always going to be compared to something always. Yeah. First of all, if Star Wars hasn't done it by itself, you know, they, they have like over a hundred different alien species. Yeah. Like where else are you going to go? I really like this design though. I think it's It looks unique. good. It looks, um, it looks threatening. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a little bit of like Alien, like the movie Alien. A but little it's, bit. It's also a little bit Independence Day. Because I don't remember what they looked like. Oh, they're really cool in Independence Day. So in Independence Day, the actual alien are like small. They're smaller than us. And they look like the caricature of an alien, which is like big heads. The the grays. Yeah, big beady eyes, Mm. small bodies. But they live within these exoskeleton robot suits that look more like the threatening alien. Like from the movie Alien. Like it looks a little bit like that. They got these big heads. They have like eyes. Like these scary looking mouths, but it's just an exoskeleton for like their like tiny little frail bodies. <laughs> Have you ever seen that movie? I saw it a long, long, long time ago. Oh. Like I was a kid. I still like it. I know it's not that great, but I like it a lot. <laughs> in that, they have to like rip open their suits to like show, you know, their actual little bodies. So in this, that is their bodies. They just happen to have like an exoskeleton, you know, like okay. like a cockroach or whatever. Yeah. But then they open up their little chests and they've got like delicate little hands for like yeah, they look like fleshy and... Yeah, for like real world things. Like not... Because their other hands are kind of like giant spears. They're basically like lobsters. You yeah. Know, they got like these lobster claws, but like they open up their little chest cavity and they got like little and nice... that's how they like, I guess, use hands. instruments and... Sure. Just do everyday things. Yeah, but a huge flaw is that their tiny little cute hands are right next to their exposed heart. <laughs> yeah. So... That's a weird kind of evolutionary thing, right? (laughs) I don't know how that happened, but uh, it's a cool design overall, I think. For sure. There's also a lot in this movie of an alien's about to get you and then someone shoots it from behind. That's a trope. I know, but like (laughs) once you do it more than once, like you can get away with it once or twice is all I'm saying. But when you have to write yourself out of a scene like six times and then so-and-so shows up and shoots the alien from behind, I'm like, all right, come on. (laughs) Don't even make it a scene at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Do something else. I don't care. The gang ride out in the morning, but are held up by a gang. I shouldn't say gang. By bandits. There we go. <laughs> Walton Hoggins recognizes Jake as their boss. Hoggins or Goggins? Walter Goggins. Yeah, sorry. Walton uh, Hoggins. Walton Hoggins. Goggins. It's Goggins. Jake, not recognizing him, improvises and commands them to lead them back to their camp. There he's confronted by a fellow bandit who threatens to kill them all for stealing his gold, just as the aliens approach. During the alien attack, a plane ropes up Ella. Jake jumps off his horse and onto the plane and shoots the wing off to free her. They land in a river, but the alien pilot attacks Ella. Jake shoots it, tends to her wounds, and carries her away. Yeah, so his gang recognizes him as, like, he was, like, their leader. And Um, then he, like, abandoned them or left them and stole the gold? I guess he stole the stolen gold. He betrayed the bandits to take back to his wife or whatever. I like the part where... 
because again this is like the old west so i guess like you can write these characters to be like horrible against women and it's it's fine yeah he's when he's like all right shoot the whore oh, and, <laughs> and everybody point- points their guns at ella <laughs> and then the one guy points his gun at doc <laughs> sam rock was like he said shoot the whore <laughs> That was pretty funny. There's, a, there's like two or three funny gags on this. And then when the guns turn back on him, he pulls out a gun. The guy's like, doesn't feel good, does it? <laughs> I like Sam Rockwell a lot. It, this is where it gets a lot more kind of like a run-of-the-mill action movie now. Not so much like a Western. Yeah. It's weird because a lot happens here, but like not a lot of substance happens here. It's just kind of like the part with his former gang is probably the most interesting. Imp- interesting and probably important plot important part of it yeah this. but then i feel like this happens with these guys anytime they get written into like an interesting situation that they can't figure out how to get out oh that's when the aliens attack how yeah con- it's just very convenient you know there have been a couple times where like some of these scenes are end capped by like an alien attack yeah okay <laughs> and then these two uh jake and ella like their dialogue is so sparse and like spread out through the whole movie that i'm like they don't just talk to each other you have no dialogue so far. Yeah, it's like, I'm loving everything happening except for the stuff happening involving Jake. Yeah. And, like, they, they said a couple more words to each other over in the boat. But it wasn't much. And now she's, like, dying. <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah, what was he, this? And he's, like, freaking out. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like, do you guys have a connection? Is this supposed to be a love thing? It took me a very long time to figure out if, like, the movie is shipping these two characters. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Because he has a wife who is we don't know dead. if she's alive or dead yeah, at this point. Totally dead. I thought she was alive. I'm like, all right, well, you know, they're going to put her. She's going to be on the ship. Yeah. Yeah. Or something like that. So uh, I don't know. Anyway, they arrive back to Dollar Hyde and Doc, who take Ella and discover she's dead. Jake is in shock, not having realized this. I was thinking, I'm like, she just kind of got lightly scraped. But I guess she maybe she banged her head or something. She could have banged her head. Um... Because, you know, he tended to her wound and like. I don't know, did she bleed she out, maybe? She could have bled out. That looked like a lot of blood. Yeah, maybe. At that moment, they are surrounded by Apache Indians, who take them back to their tribe and unceremoniously toss her corpse in the fire. I kind of laughed at that. It was like, all right. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, in fairness, maybe they, I don't know, they, they think of dead people differently than we do. Like, a lot of people don't put a lot of emphasis on, like, a dead body. They're like, oh, that's just a vessel. Like, yeah, the person's like, gone. Time to get rid of the body. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know that much about their Their culture. Yeah. Dollar Hyde argues with the chief. Yeah, using one of his men, a Mexican Apache, as a translator. So that's the character we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Having each fought in wars against the other's people, they refuse to see eye to eye. But they're interrupted by a blaze in the fire. And a very alive and very naked Ella walks out of it. <laughs> Like a phoenix rising out of the flame. I think that's what they were going for. (laughs) I think so. I I didn't think about that, but maybe. I can't decide if I like the uh, little pairing of Dollar Hyde and the Chief. It's like an odd couple thing that they put them together for a lot of this, the the second half of this movie. I think it's because they're like such polar opposites, though. But also they're like the same type of person. Yeah, I think it's because they're like the prototypical like cowboy and Indian. You know they what I mean? They definitely are, yeah. This is those archetypes. And then I was actually surprised that Ella had died. Again, I hadn't seen this movie. I was like, oh, is she is she done? <laughs> She's dead. That trope of killing a character off just for like a quick moment and then like undoing it because you don't actually want that <laughs> character dead. Right. Something that Marvel's done a bunch of times to like, you know, varying criticisms. Yes. So there's a scene in the, there's a shot in the uh, trailer to this movie that always 
made me curious like what's the context and it's this part when uh olivia wilde is like walking towards daniel craig in a big crowd of people and she's like naked <laughs> and i'm like well this is just like you know a sexy thing that they want to put in the trailer to sell the movie or whatever but only seeing the trailer i'm just like they're just sexualizing her because she's hot right like if it was any other character they wouldn't have written this scene if it was any other actor you know what i mean and then I was always curious, how do they write around it? Because it seems like it's just kind of like, all right, how do we get her naked? How do we get her naked and uh, walking up to Daniel Craig? Yeah. So it reminds me a lot of um, later on they wrote Star Trek Into Darkness. And you know the scene the al- with, Alice with Alice Eve. Eve. Where she's like, I need to change, turn around. And he's like, okay. And then he turns and he takes a peek. And so does the camera. And it just kind of shows Alice Eve in her underwear for about like three seconds. Yeah. And you're like, what was that for? To show that she's hot. That Kirk's a pervert. It was just to like, you know, it's just to show some skin for the movie. Like, yeah. that's it. That was like the worstly veiled attempt. That particular example gets like thrown around a yes. lot. Still to this day. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it might be the worst one. <laughs> yeah. And so I was just kind of waiting to see like how they explained it. But in all honesty, like it kind of makes sense because like. She, like, came out of a fire? Yeah. When I saw it in the movie, I wasn't like, oh, they just want to get her naked. No, because it, it didn't feel like that. It didn't, it didn't feel like that. And so it, it's a chicken and the egg situation. Because I'm like, which came first? Did they have, like, on a whiteboard, get Olivia Wilde naked? Top priority. Write your way to that. Mm-hmm. And this is what they came up with? Or did they write this and say, hey, wait a second. We can put Olivia Wilde naked on the trailer now. <laughs> to sell the movie. Which is it? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think the way it was done in the movie was fine, though. I didn't think... Yeah, I thought yeah. it was fine. But, uh, I mean, my personal, like, thing I wanted to see in this movie was, like... And I've been wondering for ten years, is how did they put this in the movie? You know, like, <laughs> in under what possible circumstance would this happen? Well, she's a reanimated corpse. Well, I didn't know that from the trailer, Birdo. <laughs> I'm just saying... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I guess I guess it's fine. <laughs> Ella reveals that she is an alien from a world that was taken by the aliens currently fighting them. She shape-shifted into human form. Is that why she's so gorgeous? Put a pin in that, by the way. To blend in. Sure, to blend in. But the body couldn't be healed. She also speaks any language, or at least both English and Apache. She explains that the aliens want gold, because that is as rare to them as it is to us. She wants to help stop them and points to Jake, saying he can lead them to their ship. There's a little little bit of lampshading there when um, we were talking about what lampshading is. It's like when you point out something ridiculous to make it seem less ridiculous. Yeah, like uh, when a character in the in-universe does it. Yeah. yeah, and Harrison Ford goes, that's ridiculous. <laughs> when he's like, the aliens are looking for gold. <laughs> They're on their own gold rush. Yeah, and that's kind of like what the point of this movie and probably the comic book is what it's about, right? Yeah. You know, turning the whole cowboys and Indians thing on its head and being like, well, what if a third party came in? Now the cowboys are basically the Indians and the Indians are also the Indians. And what are you going to do? You know what I mean? So like the aliens are coming onto Earth looking for gold. That's a metaphor for the cowboys. Yeah. Like going into Indian territory in search of what doesn't belong to them and like killing them. And wrangling the people way. up and treating them like animals. Exactly. So... That is probably the most substantial part about this movie. And I think we should talk more about it in the analysis. Yeah, that's a theme, right? Yeah, I don't know. But I think, 
like when it happened, I'm like, oh, okay. Like this, the whole movie's coming together now. Like this is what it's all about, you know? Yeah. The other thing I want to talk about now, because it's going to keep on coming up, is like the terminology of like American Indian. Because a lot of people get confused because since a lot of times the term Native American gets used, it's almost like implied that American Indian or just Indian is like offensive. Right. But it's it's not. Like if you're drawing a line to like certain racist connotations with the term Indian, then well, then yeah, obviously. But you could do that with a lot of like other words. Yeah. Um, like Hispanic or black or whatever. Jewish, obviously, or Jew gets a lot of like yeah. kind of bad connotations, but that is what their name is. Right. So, you know, I, I had just like verify because, you know, this is something I've heard before, but I kind of like did a little bit more research. Hmm. If you ask most like natives like most american indians they're not like one big people you know they're separate no, nations they're separate, yeah so what they would prefer to be called is by their nation's name so but like, obviously like you're not going to know that like right off the bat sure like an iroquois or an apache or whatever but over the last like 500 years they've come to accept like indian and american indian as like an all-encompassing term for all natives that were on this country's now land right yeah so even though they're not from india at all in any way <laughs> sure sure and um i used to think that was a myth but it's only a myth because people think you know they say like oh there were indians and india wasn't even a country back then but those people in that area were still like indians and he thought he was in that area and now this this area is called the indies because of it no um, so columbus was an idiot and it yeah, made a exactly. bunch of things sure happen yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> I think it's all in all just kind of a fun play on like kids playing cowboys and Indians and how it's like fun, but it's like a problem, <laughs> but it's fun. And like, yeah, I don't know. Um, It's very do interesting. Do kids play cowboys and Indians anymore? I don't think they do. I didn't play cowboys and Indians. I don't think I did either, but it also wasn't unfamiliar to me either, though. Yeah. How did that happen? Was it TV? <sighs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Indian in the cupboard. I like that. I liked that movie. I'm almost afraid to watch it again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because of how dated it is and yeah. how it might uh, come I wonder, off. I wonder if I'm going to like watch it and be like, childhood oh, ruin. God. Yeah, childhood ruin. Exactly. I'd rather just like remember it fondly. I don't know. You want to know a good uh, Cowboys and Indian movie? Uh, Small Soldiers. Yes. I've read your mind. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. that one holds up and it's probably a better like. It's so like good. cowboy and Indian kind of metaphor. Yeah. The soldiers and the Gorgonites. Yeah. I want to watch that now. <laughs> um, Jake reminds them that he has amnesia and the Apache chief reveals that he can help. He gives him a medicine and he remembers being abducted and his wife being cut open and burned alive. That was a little bit rough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the alien had dropped his bracelet weapon next to him onto the operating table and Jake takes it. Cuts the alien's face and gets away. He wakes up and realizes that he can lead them back to the alien hideout. <laughs> so, is this the part where you were like, um... You should have just put the whole, the whole like, thing flashback here. here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Because uh, this is just a flashback of like him like being like abducted and he's like on like an operating yeah. table and like in the first flashback when you just saw his wife like laying down and then like moving, it looked like something sexual was happening to her. That was a little bit weird, yeah. yeah. But then you realize she's just on an operating table getting like well cut up and because shit. he remembers it in pieces. So when you first see her lying down, they're like laying in bed together. 
Right. And then her body starts rocking. It looks like so she's like getting that like was raped weird. or something. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're still on a real bed yeah. at that point. And then, like, he blinks, and they're on an alien ship, and they're both on different, like, operating tables staring at each other. Yeah. It was almost, like, a little disturbing the way it should. Maybe that was intentional. I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> but I, it was like, I was looking, I was like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit weird. Other thing I wanted to talk about was, like, how stupid are these fucking aliens? This one in particular, who, like, just leaves his gun there. Yeah, he takes off his um, wrist blaster thing and just puts it on the table. And I just want to point out, he was on the other side of the room. He takes it off, carries it back with him to, like, Daniel Craig's side and just, like, puts it next to Daniel Craig. And so Daniel Craig, like, grabs it, grabs a little, like, scalpel, like, that hot iron thing and just kind of like the alien one and just like slices, slices his face <laughs> but i think the implication is that these are the dumb aliens because <laughs> ella was like these are just the scouts like they're here to find weaknesses in humans and then later like actual armies are going to come okay but then i saw i read a review by um eber on his website a review and he like complained about how like the aliens seem dumb even uh-huh. though he's like, I mean, they arrived on a spaceship that they presumably designed. And I'm like, I didn't design my car. Like, I don't know how to. True. Like, I don't know how we to. We drive a cars car. and we're dumb. Yeah. I'm <laughs> dumb as fuck. Like, it barely can change the tire. Like, actually, I'm very good at changing tires. I'm just saying, like, anything more than that. You right. know, I'm like, I, pff, I can't do that. So I don't think that's, that's a huge. That's flawed logic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel. I feel like the implication is that, yeah, these are the, these are the dumb ones. <laughs> So Jake leads them to the base, and he recruits his old gang to help. Meanwhile, the Apache leader and Dollarhide argue about their attack strategies. Both being warrior leaders, but also the prototypical cowboy and Indian, they cannot get along. Jake and his gang climb the structure to detonate their dynamite. They lure out the aliens and fight, while Jake and Ella sneak inside. I think this has one of the only other jokes that I really like, that like his idiot friend drops all the matches. Oh, (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, what are we going to do? And he just takes a cigarette out of his mouth. Daniel Craig's only real good scene in this whole movie is when he goes and recruits his friends. Yeah. Because <laughs> he sits there and he gives his whole speech because his friends are like, all right, basically, we're going to go to Mexico. And drink on a beach. And drink on a beach. There's a ton of tequila and we're not going to worry about any of this shit. And Daniel Craig's like, actually, that does sound fun. And usually you could sign me up for that. <laughs> But we're just going to get killed over there because there's going to be more aliens coming. So how yeah. about we do something instead and we try to stop them? And the entire time he's like making a cigarette, you know, yeah, with like, like some tobacco, it up and rolling it up and he lights it. And that was I'm a like, good scene. That's a good scene. I'm like, that's the most dialogue he's had, by the way. Yes. Like in one sitting. Like that's he doesn't talk in most of this movie. There was also a scene during this whole segment that I liked as well. It was uh, when Dollar Hyde's uh, farmhand was uh, trying to convince the Apache mm. yeah. that Dollar Hyde can be trusted and you should follow him. And he's telling like his story. Yeah. It's being translated by Ella, who, again, conveniently speaks all languages. <laughs> yeah. About how like when he was a kid... Uh, like he lost his parents basically, yeah, and, and he Dollar took him Hyde in. took him in and raised him as one of his own basically. Yeah, and then he's actually a pretty good guy on the inside. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's on the inside. He's good. I think he literally says that, <laughs> <laughs> not as egregiously as like some other movies we've seen, where like she can do whatever the plot demands. Right, but like 
okay, like she's this alien. Who, she's like, like she, we're not gonna ask any more questions about how she's a shape shifting, like <laughs> basically like an angel alien who can create a different body after the first one died. That looks exactly um, like the other one. Yeah, and she can speak all languages. And what else can she do? Can she read minds? Like, can she see the future? I mean, thankfully um, they don't go into it. Yeah. And at least they don't introduce any, like, weird other things, really. Yeah. I think I'm okay with it. (laughs) All things said and done. I do think it's an explanation as to why she's so beautiful, though. Because she's like... She chose that body. (laughs) Right. Like, she's actually an alien. She's not real. No real human would be in the Wild West. Looking like that. Looking like that. Because she looks like she has makeup. And I think it's actually her eyes look like that. Like, her eyelashes, like, naturally kind of outline her eyes. Uh There's some people that, like, look like that. And they look like they're wearing makeup. That one actor from Lost who played uh, the uh, mayor in The Dark Knight. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. He has like really thick eyelashes and he looks like he's wearing eye makeup all the time. Anyway. In the ensuing fight, Dollar Hyde's Apache hand dies. Oh yeah, the guy we were just talking about. Yeah. Uh, And his alien killer is shot by Doc. That was a great little moment. Yeah. (laughs) Because he's, again, subplot of this movie. He spends the entire time trying his best to like learn to shoot. And then when it counts, he shoots the alien like a badass. And Dollar Hyde's like really broken up about uh, him dying too. <laughs> yeah, so I guess he never admitted it, but like he sees a son in this guy. Yeah, and he does but say it. Like, he to fi- him he too. finally says it, but he's just been too proud to say it because you know he he stuck with piece of shit Percy. You know what I mean? <laughs> he, uh, he said, "I always dreamed of having a son like you." Well, because he says, "You know, I always dreamed of having a dad like a father like yeah. you or something." So yeah, so uh, Harrison Ford says back to him, "I've always dreamed of having a son like you." Kind of funny because it's kind of a slight on Percy, who fucking sucks. But and then he's like, "Go get your son. Go get yeah. Percy." <laughs> yeah, no, that was a great moment. It was definitely. Now the chief trusts Dollarhide, and they all run out together to fight. Jake and Ella find the prisoners who are slowly awakened and freed. They reach the core of the ship, and Ella needs the bracelet to destroy the ship. He can't remove it with his mind, so she kisses him to get him to stop overthinking, and it falls off of him. Okay. (laughs) If it works. (laughs) Uh, Once inside, she says goodbye to him, implying she's on a suicide mission. There's some more fighting. Dollarhide uses a spear and, I guess, earns the respect of the chief. Jake gets caught by the alien who operated him in the first place. Dollarhide saves him, and they get away safely. Ella reaches the core of the ship as it's taking off. She sets the bracelet to detonate and holds it tightly. There's a big explosion. There's a lot of fighting in this sequence. Yeah. This is like the the climax. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A lot of the action is pretty good. For me, I I think if if I'm going to pick holes in it, it's in kind of the plotting of the action, which to me is is very important when you have like an action sequence. It's like the, the specific plotting of just that sequence works. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like you can't just have characters like appear and reappear in different places you can't just like everything has to kind of like make sense and i think there was like two occasions where like the chief and dollar hide are exchanging glances and they're kind of like oh like maybe we can get along you know and then they do it again and i'm like why'd you do it in the first place (laughs) you know what i did like though about like this whole action sequence climax part of the movie is a lot of the subplots start to pay off so we have doc shooting the alien yeah. And then we have, like, Dollar Hyde with the chief and with, like, his, what was one of his, like, surrogate sons, kind of, basically. Right, yeah. And then we've got the, the kid who ends up killing an alien with the knife that Dollar Hyde gave him. Yeah, but- he gets, 
very conveniently like he 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 gets like he, trapped in like was it like a crevice he yeah he he falls in a kid sized hole <laughs> and so the alien can't get him with his crab claws so then he opens his which is so stupid that he did this so he opens him his like chest cavity up so he can grab him with his real hands but again his heart's there and the kid just stabs him yeah. in the heart which is kind of hardcore honestly yeah <laughs> but there's like blood just all over him and stuff yeah <laughs> Did you notice with the prisoners how similar it was to like the deadlights and it where they're just kind of oh, yeah. staring at the light and just out of it? Yeah, I didn't think of it that way, but maybe I immediately thought of it, like even with like the white eyes and everything while they were looking at it. The little love scene is just it, it's so forced. It's all so weak that I'm like, <laughs> I don't think any of I don't think it was a romance. But later on, he's like. Thinking concerned about, about her, her. Yeah. like he's concerned about her a lot when she like gets captured and so maybe he's into her and she's just using him this whole time to get her revenge but he didn't realize that his wife had died until the flashback but he also didn't know he had a wife i guess i don't know it's all very i don't unclear. think he knew he had a wife yeah yeah it's all very unclear right, like maybe what is. old also, jake wouldn't have liked her but new jake does yeah also he has so little dialogue that who knows what he's thinking <laughs> not the audience for sure. <laughs> the least developed character in the movie is the main character. For sure. I thought that whole you use your mind thing was kind of weak, too. Like, that's how you fire it. I thought there was a trigger on it. Well, he never, like, pulled a trigger, though. He always just kind of pointed and fired. Yeah, but there was a thing that... Okay, so if you look at it, we'll link pictures below. It's a thing on his wrist. And yeah. then when the aliens get close, like, it powers on and it expands... Yeah. And then when he's holding it to fire, he's grasping onto something. So, like, something grows that he can grab hmm. onto. I guess it could still be explained that way, though, where it's like, well, whenever the aliens were nearby, that's when he, like, thought he needed the weapon or a weapon. And then. No, I think he just powers on when the alien tech is near. Which is weird. So, if an alien's by themselves, it's like they a Bluetooth. Just never. Yeah, I guess it's not. It's not good. It just never works. I mean, you have to be near your ship or whatever. Uh, it's a very convenient plot device. I alert someone the aliens are nearby. Like, oh shit! They're about it to just, attack us. It just beeps. My understanding is that like he like grabs something, uh, and some form or trigger. I think it's very weak to say like, oh no, you control it with your mind. Do you? I don't. Know. I don't yeah, buy any of that. I guess he just stopped thinking. I think if a random person kissed me, I would not stop thinking. I would think a lot more things. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> He's not thinking about his wrist anymore. Hmm. Well, I thought for a second that maybe she was lying to him the whole time. She's like a double agent, and she's one of the aliens. Oh, and she took it and disintegrates him. Yeah, I was glad it wasn't important. I thought it was going to be some sort of like MacGuffin that they're like, oh, no, this is the special one, and I need it. It's a key. To well, it was important, engine. but... It's just a bomb, basically. Yeah, like they just used it's it. It's a, a weapon, bomb. and she just kind of rewired it so it would explode instead of fire. Yeah, I'm like oh, that per- it's that not works. like a like very unique device. Or yeah, anything like that. which yeah. I'm happy about. Like it's not special. Oh yeah, this is know? the one thing that can control. It's the key, and we got to get the key to the thing. Okay, all right. Like it's just like a Transformers movie at that point. You I guess it I mean? could have been a key to the ship though, if all of them wear it on their wrist. Yeah, maybe. Explosion was pretty good though. Yeah. <laughs> Afterwards, the town is prospering because they realize there's gold to be found. I guess no one learns a lesson here, by the way. <laughs> After all this, we're like, oh, right. shit, we didn't know there was that much gold here. They, they didn't learn that, like, it's actually meaningless. 
you know, it's just like a tool for war. Like, no, they're just like, all right, now it's ours. Like, yeah. I mean, oh, I don't know if you noticed the saloon changed their name. It was called notice. something else at the beginning, and at the end, it's called like, the Gold Rush Saloon. Whoa. Oh, I know. So the saloon is popping off with patrons, celebrating all the victims returning. I got real big uh, Star Wars vibes. When at the end, they're all, they all celebrate together. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if there were some of those Indians in the saloon... It would have been Return of the Jedi. It's Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Banging so. on the skulls of the dead aliens. <laughs> Dollarhide seems to have turned over a new leaf now that he's not drying up on cattle and looks after his son more. He and the sheriff agree to claim that Jake died in battle in order to let Jake be free and start over. Dollarhide offers him a job, but he rides off instead. To be fair, that's pretty in character for him. Pretty much. Hey, you want to help me out? No. Nope. (laughs) It's like the sixth time someone asks him to help him, and he's like, no. And he just, like, rides away. Where the fuck is he going? This last bit, I think, had it been written a little bit differently, it would have been a lot better. Yeah. Because it just seemed like a big patch over everything like all right everything's fine now look how happy everyone is okay the end it was weird because i did like it because it did feel like like a star wars type ending yeah but like a rushed one because it was a little abrupt so just like all right bye all right everything's great now and all the characters are different and everyone's happy again like even dollar hide is like a completely different man not because too yeah maybe percy because of what he went through but like dollar hide mostly because he's like i have money again because it seemed like the through line here is that, like, this town was... In the dumps. In the dumps before. Yeah. Because they said, oh, it's just a mining town. And they're like, it was, it, it it was, was. going to be, like, but I guess they couldn't find gold. And then Dollar Heights, like, super rough around the edges. And he's, like, going to, like, kill people over, like, a couple cows. like Because he, that's all he had. Yeah. Like, everyone's, like, really rough. And it's kind of, like... Rough and, like, desperate. Yeah. And I'm like, is this supposed to be like about like the desperation of like being broken towards you to like a different person and now that there's money and there's prosperous now everyone's like nice to each other because they're not we'll see how long that lasts yeah exactly but i'm like they didn't really do anything there so that's that's not what they were going for so i'm like what what are we saying everyone's gonna be happier now that they have money they're also probably happier because they survived an alien attack but isn't that the point of the movie is that like we shouldn't have been rushing for gold and now once they all found the gold they're like all right everything's great now well yeah because i mean you're already there you're not gonna turn down the gold because you'll die but what if (laughs) okay sure but like what if like at the end of like avatar they're like all right like the humans left and now us what are they called the blue people the navi now the navi we can harvest the unobtainium for ourselves no that's not what you wanted you wanted like peace (laughs) Yeah, they ripped down their own tree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what I got here. I'm like, because again, it's all about how like the aliens are like the white people. And yeah. now, but now the white people are, are the aliens again. So, you know, yeah, the, now the white on the, people are the white people again. Yeah. And... So we're back to square one. What do we learn? No, things are back to normal now. So it's fine. We didn't learn anything, basically. It's from which reminds me is of. This movie, <laughs> is this movie about how white people don't learn their lessons? Maybe. <laughs> It just reminds me of, like, the end of Burn After Reading when J.K. Simmons is like, so what did we learn here? And the guy's like, fuck if I know. Like, I don't know. Maybe we learned that there's nothing to be learned here. Like, (laughs) maybe this is nothing. I don't know. But that's satire. Everything's meaningless. Yeah. Okay. Well, (laughs) that's pretty much the movie, then. (laughs) Yeah. 
So overall, like, uh, look, I just feel like what I said in the beginning is definitely what's happening is that classic Orsi and Kurtzman movie where while I was watching it, I was really enjoying it. Like, I really liked it. <laughs> you know, when Ella was revealed to be an alien, I'm like, oh, that's a twist. Oh, I like I perked up. I'm like, this movie, this is this could be something. And then it hit some of those themes. That Harrison Ford scene. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is all really good. Five minutes after it's over, I'm like, well, actually, you know, I don't know about Daniel Craig. And then, like, 20 minutes later, I was like, what the fuck were they doing in the second act? They just kind of repeated the same plot points over and over again, <laughs> you know? And then I'm like, why can she speak Apache? And and why did, you know, why does he refuse everything? And, and why does he like her? And was that a love story? And, like, it all starts falling apart the more you think about it, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's just like a shiny coat of paint over, like, a piece of garbage. And I'm not saying this movie is a piece of garbage. I'm just saying that's like the metaphor I can think of. I'm just like, right. It's shiny and it's pretty and it feels exciting in the moment. But then like afterwards, like it's kind of hollow, right? It doesn't hold up. I do like the commentary here on the gold rush taking of Indian land. We talked about this in, in the plot, but like how it's a metaphor on like, you know, white people going to the West during the gold rush. colonizing colonizing killing indians taking their land taking their gold it's like avatar like we said that that one movie except (laughs) at the end the navi just did tear down their own tree (laughs) (laughs) Um, and this idea of like your enemy is only your enemy until you have a common enemy and a bigger threat arrives right yeah that theme kind of goes through this movie a couple times because at the beginning you've got dollar height is basically the bad guy you know what I mean? Like, he's the antagonist for the first act of the movie. Yeah. And then the second the aliens arrive, suddenly it's like, all right, we're clearly all in this together. Uh, and even Dollar Height says, like, I feel like you owe me. And then later on, we can figure out what like, what, what this all means and where my gold is and whatever. Yeah. Because at first I'm like, does he mean, like, because it's, like, his fault that his son got taken? I guess he found out right before that he stole his gold because he, like, says something about it. He briefly. said he stole my gold. Yeah. yeah. You stole my gold. <laughs> so I kind of like that. Like, the things in this movie I do like a lot. Yeah. I don't know if you have any thoughts on those. Well, like, a lot of the stuff I liked about the movie, like, I don't... The Gold Rush commentary is good, and it's appropriate. It's a little on the nose. <laughs> I mean, it's as much on the nose as, like, Avatar is. Like, Avatar is very on the nose. Clearly. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I also really like how every character besides, really, Daniel Craig's character has a lot going on in this movie too. And I said this before, like they have their own history and their own lives. Yeah. And you do actually feel that. On a pros and cons list, like pro, well-developed secondary characters. Absolutely. And there's a lot of them at the expense of not developed main character at, at all. all. <laughs> and that's a, that's a huge shame because it's like, Daniel Craig's a good actor. And I feel he like he wasn't given a lot to do in this movie. No, he's just look hot His and star rugged. power. Yeah. Yeah. Just be Western James Bond. That's it. <laughs> Can you be an Oklahoma James Bond? Can you do that? <laughs> but it's like because we had all those side characters, though, like when all the subplots like started to resolve, you felt good about it. Yeah, but that's also what a movie is. <laughs> like, yeah, but not a lot of movies like, fundamentally, do the, that's not a lot of movies do the side characters like that, though. OK, yeah, you know, it, you're right. Because a lot of it's, like, just focused on, like, the main character and, like, their posse, you know? This was, like, all the tertiary characters were the ones that had stuff to say and do. 
Yeah. And, and I don't know. Something about that's just really, it tickles me. Oh, <laughs> I'm glad you were tickled. <laughs> yeah, I guess the biggest con here is like, it does feel, his character does feel like Link, where yeah. he doesn't actually like have a character. He's, He's just a badass that doesn't say anything or do anything. Yeah, because well, he does things. But. You being like the player of the video game, you project onto him. You tell him where to go and yeah. you imagine yourself interacting with these people but this is a movie this is a different it's a different medium yeah yeah like this isn't a first person or third person like video game right so yeah bad on on that sense tonally like this is supposed to be like the genre mix because it's in the title like this is cowboys and aliens the only other one i could think of is pride and prejudice and zombies so i was gonna bring that up because <laughs> i feel like this i is... like that movie I didn't see it. You like it? I like it a lot. Well, I feel like you would. Um, but it reminds <laughs> me of that, and it reminds me of um, Abraham Lincoln Vampire. That's Hunter, not a Vampire bad killer. movie either. So it's such an like affront on these like genres when you just like clash them like that. I feel like it's an interesting experiment, but I'm like, does it work? Really, does it work? And it feels like there's many different ways of doing it. So, for example, you can draw a line between this and The Mandalorian. Why? Because they're both John Favreau's projects. Based on things that he's passionate about. He's passionate about science fiction. And he's passionate about Star Wars. And he's passionate about classic westerns. Yeah. And he made two sci-fi westerns. <laughs> one being Mandalorian. And the other one being Cowboys this and movie. Aliens. Cowboys and Aliens. And in one, it's... Okay, here's a western set in space. Yeah. Right? So the genre is still western... But the subject matter is more sci-fi fantasy, But it is still more Western, though, because of how it's made. Sure, in genre. Yeah. But you look at the characters, they're aliens. Yeah. yeah. And and lightsabers and blah, blah, blah. But, like, this specifically, (laughs) you're saying, like, this genre is literally, like, two genres. It's basically, like, celebrity deathmatch with, like, (laughs) cowboys and aliens. You know, with these two genres, specifically. Like, not just literal cowboys and literal aliens. I'm talking about, like, a Star Wars movie and, like, a Western. Like, Good, the Bad, the Ugly or, like... And I think that's why um, in each of the titles that we mentioned, they explicitly say in the title that basically this is going to be a genre mashup. That way nobody's caught off guard going into it. Because someone would get up and leave the movie. Yes, because (laughs) it's not for everyone. No, right. I feel like, to me, this is putting pineapple on pizza. I love pineapple on pizza. Okay, but see, here's the thing. Pineapple on pizza is like this Venn diagram, and it it has a very thin overlap, Mm -hmm. you know, because... Pineapple's a great fruit. Who doesn't like pineapple? And people love pizza. The second you put pineapple on pizza, everyone has a big problem with it. Because what you've done is you've insulted two big camps of people, essentially. But then there's the people in the middle are like, this is good. You've made a very small amount of people happy. I'm happy. When you make movies like that, sometimes it's wonderful. And we talked about this. I think we were talking about Justice League, where I was like, he's making a lot of creative decisions. Zack Snyder's Justice League, specifically. I was like, Zack Snyder's making a lot of creative decisions that... Is not going to fly with a lot of people. No, it's going to piss people off. But he likes them, and that's why he makes them. And why else would you make a movie? He makes his movies for himself. Exactly. And I feel like that's how you should make a movie. I, I don't feel like you should make movies by committee or to make a certain demographic happy or to make as much money as you possibly can. Make movies that you like, and people with those same tastes will come and see them. Right? Because that's what art is. Like, when yeah. you go to an art gallery, no one's, like, making the thing that's going to get the most attention. They're making what, you know, their soul wants to make. Like, what their inner artist demands. And then people who like it 
we'll see look yeah. at it and people who don't like it can fuck off basically the right issue with that is the film industry as a whole exactly you need to make money <laughs> so that's a whole nother whole nother thing but so here we've got these two clashing genres and the way i feel like he made it is like this crossfade where it starts out as squarely a western and it finishes as squarely a sci-fi fantasy movie, right? Yeah. And somewhere in the middle, it goes from one to the other, like a crossfade when you go from one song to another yeah. song. You know what I mean? And, like, you don't really know where one starts and the other one ends. Pretty much, like, at the act switches. So, like, at the end of Act 1, like, it's somewhere in mixed. And by the end, yeah. like, end of Act 2. During Act 2 is when that it, there's a, it's transition It's a transition. And Act 3 is like, all right, we're basically in, like, a Marvel or Star Wars movie now. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people's problem is that tonal shift between those two genres. And okay. I would say, but like, that's not my problem with you this You had movie. to know what you were getting into. That's the thing. It's in the goddamn title. Yeah. <laughs> And it's in the trailer. And I think the trailer sells this movie very well because it doesn't pretend like this is something that the trailer is not. It's not like a bait and switch. No. Like, you know damn well there's going to be aliens in this movie. They're going to be attacking these cowboys and they're going to be fighting. Yeah. But again, like if you had done like the Marvel treatment on this, mm-hmm. it would have been more consistent and it wouldn't have been this weird kind of like mishmash. genre experiment. It would have been this mishmash. Like, the movie at the end is not the movie in the beginning, is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. You think about at the beginning where it's kind of like, it's gritty and it's dark and here are these cowboys looking for scalps. And at the end, they're like, everything's fine and we love each other and do you want to come be a part of our family, Jake? Like, and he's like, nope. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, nope, it's... I think I'd rather ride off into the desert. Yeah. So what I was getting at, I don't think it's, this is my problem with the movie. I think it's a fine experiment. There has to be experimental movies. Should they be big blockbuster films? Probably not. (laughs) But hey, like a lot of smart people went in to make this movie. Like, I mean, and it was, it's a fun movie overall. Yeah. I don't know. I can't sit here and say like, oh, it's Orsi and Kurtzman that like ruined it for me. Other names on this is David Lindelof. who used to work with them a lot. He also kind of helped create Lost. Okay. And then also now is the showrunner for the new Watchmen series. Was he the showrunner on Daredevil also? No, that is... um. The so. show was created by Drew Goddard. Drew Goddard. Yep, that's him. He wasn't like showrunner, but he created it. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That guy. Okay. What were you just talking about? Ghost Rider. No, god damn it. You had that locked and loaded, didn't you? <laughs> I was trying to tie it into the western part of it, but... Sam Elliott's not in this movie for some reason. You know, the sheriff reminded me a lot of Sam Elliott. Like a young Sam Elliott? Yeah, yeah, he had a very similar voice. <laughs> yeah. Missed opportunity. Sam Elliott should have been in this movie. Probably. Oh, yeah, yeah. So or, or, I was talking about Orsi and Kurtzman. They were brought in a little bit later. This movie already had a script, and they changed it a lot. So it's hard to tell, like, who... You know, there's five oh. names on the written by. There's a lot of writing. Yeah. yeah. So it's hard to tell, like... You know, who did what and whatever, and it's easy for us to sit here and be like, oh, it's those two's fault. I don't fucking know. Like, maybe they made a lot of aspects better while making a few aspects worse. It's also one of those things, like, too many cooks. Absolutely. Yeah. And I wonder what, like, maybe a more singular vision would have done to this. Apparently, this doesn't follow the source material that much anyway. So, who who (laughs) I I know nothing about the source material. I didn't either. It's a short... It's just like just a a single graphic novel, and that's it. 105 pages, so it's not very long. Wow. Okay. That's the equivalent of like two or three issues. And it sold for $5. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
But I'm, what I was saying is, what would a singular vision do to, like, the main character? Would they prioritize the main character? Is he a product of, like, getting chopped up and for other people? That's possible. Because you know? he had a backstory. We just didn't really explore it. Or, like, a regular story. <laughs> First of all, I think this movie needed to be a little bit longer. And we say that a lot because I feel like... This movie was, like, two hours, too. It was two hours. But you had you try to put so many characters in... That, yeah. And I feel like you prioritized a lot of the secondary characters, which was fine. Maybe like another 20 minutes would have done this movie some... Another 10 to 15, 20 maybe, just so that you could kind of uh, develop the main character more. Mm-hmm. I feel like he doesn't have enough scenes. He should have had more to do. He should have had more dialogue. He didn't interact with anyone. Yeah. It made me really hard to follow him as the, our protagonist. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm more interested I felt like in... Doc was the protagonist. Yeah, <laughs> not talk. I felt like uh, Harrison Ford got a lot of good scenes. Harrison Ford, he had kind of stole the show. Absolutely, and he had some really good those like stories. He told two or three stories. Yeah, and it's perfect for like the Western genre when it's just kind of like you're walking around, and, you know, instead of doing like a cheesy flashback, he's you, just he's telling he's the story. telling the story, and you have to listen, and it's all put on how well that scene is written and it's all put on how well the actor delivers that dialogue yeah. you know the little monologues like that are just are awesome and mm-hmm. that really kind of like puts it on the actor and he kills it and then uh when his um ranch hand was like telling one of the stories and he got like pissed off at him for like listening to the stories that he told his son yeah that was actually a good scene because it's like it sets up their relationship a little bit yeah because he's like he's clearly like very upset that his like son's gone yeah and and he's like those stories were for my son like they weren't for you but like all in all like he actually did care about this guy it's like he's trying to pretend that he doesn't care about him right like, to right. him yeah, yeah, yeah well i think part of it is like you think he's like guilty that he considers him like a no son? i think he's slightly racist he and- sort of is because he even says like get it through your thick indian skull well yeah well not <laughs> only that rude <laughs> seriously <laughs> It's like an internalized thing from fighting wars against uh, these people. And you almost can't. Yeah. He, and like, the thing is, is like, that's the, don't like take this out of context. It's the kind of mild racism that is, you can kind of not forgive, but you can kind of empathize that this guy is a soldier. He went to war. Right. And all, his only experience with like Indians is hostility. Are hostility and violence and them trying to specifically kill him. Yeah. So. He's bitter. That, I, you know what? And that's a theme that could have, uh, or an element that could have been explored a little bit more with him and the chief, because that's why they don't get along, because they've only have ever fought each other. Yeah. Again, the prototypical it, cowboy and Indian. And it's explored, but very, like, on a surface well, level. Very surface level. That's what I was going to say. Superficially. They, they, very superficially, because they just kind of, like, glance at each other and like, all right, I guess we're cool now. Are you cool? Like, couldn't you have explored this theme a little bit more? Because it is very interesting that these are both guys... That are supposed to be good guys. All the other characters are like, no, these are like, you know, they're good guys once you get to know them. They've just been through some shit. And Harrison Ford has spent this entire movie going like, I was basically made a man through like the crucible of like war. Yeah. You know, like. And it's brought up a few times that he hates fighting. Yes. He's actually kind of more of a pacifist. Yep. He hates being called colonel. Right. He said the people who have called me that are mostly dead. So he's seen some shit basically. So I think that would have been a little bit more interesting to kind of explore like how does he view Indians? Not just like how surface level we got it, but really how does he see Indians and how do some of those other Indian characters see him because of, you know, their situation? 
that would have been really cool to explore. Yeah, it was so, like one of those things where like we we got a taste of it and that was it. Right, and so that what I what I'm getting at is I feel like he does feel these feelings for this guy as like you know a father figure to him and that he is kind of like this surrogate son but he also like his internalized like, like anti like he's like i shouldn't feel this way about yeah, you like you're yeah. just you're my worker and you're an indian and like whatever yeah you know what i mean but then by the end he realizes like oh no like as he's like holding him and you're crying like, that yeah he's like, dying. you're yeah. actually kind of like my real son my, my actual kid fucking sucks <laughs> so anyway but god damn it what did percy do now <laughs> yeah. he shot a deputy <sighs> now i gotta go reason with them <laughs> I love Harrison Ford. Yeah, like action's good. We said it. Yeah, a lot of the way this movie is shot is really. It's good. a well directed movie. It's John Favreau. Yeah, it's like what do you expect? You know, like you you know his track record. Elf, um, Iron Man. Yeah, Elf. Come on, <laughs> all those action scenes in Elf. Uh, no, but like you know his track record. Like you you know what you're gonna get, and he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a skilled filmmaker. I think, like we said, it's a big swing, but it's a big attempt at an experiment here. I only think it falls flat because of like s- these character things we're talking about. Yeah. More so, and some of these little like little plot things that kind of don't make sense or like why are we wasting time just kind of doing the same bits over and over again? Overall, I had fun watching the movie. Like I didn't hate it. No, it did its job in that regard. It was an entertaining movie. Granted, it might be one of those like just movies like hey, just turn off your brain and watch it, which I kind of wish bit. there was a little bit more to it than that, a but more substance, yeah. Overall, like fine it's a fine movie like i said i don't hate this movie in any way yeah all right so guys this is keeper cancel this is the part of the show where we talk about the people in the movie and we decide if we're going to keep them or we're going to cancel them so i thought for this cowboys and aliens we could do the two obvious ones daniel craig and harrison ford okay that sound good yeah we already actually already did the doctor. Oh, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. We actually already did Sam Rockwell. One person like already Sam in this movie. Elliot in Ghost Rider? No, no, no. Oh, fuck. <laughs> God, you're so good at that. Sam Rockwell we did in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's that right. He was movie. the young uh, Foot Clan. It was, like, it was like one of his first acting gigs. <laughs> so if you're interested in our Keeper Cancel on Sam Rockwell, go check out the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode yeah. so the, the, the 1981 1991 1990 yeah. yeah yeah that one but the two obvious stars here daniel craig and harrison ford the two people that hate their most famous roles <laughs> yeah i don't know if they actually hate these roles or not but that's kind of what they're known for is like they're just kind of like begrudgingly still doing them you know what i mean like daniel craig is obviously most famous for james bond but, like, he's not enthused by it anymore. He's kind of, like, done with it. Yeah. So he's getting his last outing as uh, James Bond, No Time to Die, which comes out. Who knows? I, I, I It has a date, but I don't know what it is. Because it was supposed to come out two Novembers ago. <laughs> so who fucking knows? And then Harrison Ford, who, like, doesn't like Star Wars or Indiana Jones. I don't know what he likes. I don't know if he hates the franchises. I think he just... He's just not a nerd. That's a thing. Yeah. He's... To him, it's just a job. That he does really well. Yeah, yeah. And he has no problem doing the job. He's like, yeah, like, whatever. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, like, he's not a huge fan like most fans are. So, uh, who do you want to do first? We can do Daniel Craig. Yeah, I was about to say. I got some selected filmography here, as we usually do. Have you ever seen A Kid in King Arthur's Court? I've heard of the movie. I have not seen it myself. See, that's the thing. You weren't a kid at that right time period where they showed this 
in school like every six months for some right. fucking reason. Like when I was in elementary school, whenever they rolled out the TV, the one TV and VCR combo that like the entire school had to share, you know, and they had it like on like wheels. Whenever they rolled that into the classroom, there was like a 50% chance that we were watching Kid in King Arthur's Court. Wow. He has like a minor role in that. Okay. He's not like the main kid. No, he's not the kid. Like the first three movies on this list are movies that I've seen. And yet I did not know Daniel Craig was in it because he didn't become famous until afterwards. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kid in King Arthur's Court. That's the one where like, just like a normal high school kid finds a time travel thing and he ends up in like Arthurian medieval times. Oh, I'm sure if I saw that as a kid, it'd be like a fun movie. Yeah. It's a movie that I've seen a thousand times as a kid. <laughs> and yet I don't remember almost any of it. Oh. So I'd almost be interested in like, we need like a second podcast to go into some of these like forgotten kid movies forgotten childhood from the nineties. That's an idea right there. The Secret of Nim. I have no idea. So. Uh, what? Laura Croft, Tomb Raider. Have you seen that one? That's the movie. I've that's... seen it with Angelina, Angelina Jolie. Jolie. Yeah. I did not know Daniel Craig was in it. Me neither. I just saw it on his uh, filmography. I've seen both those. I remember she was on a boat. That's pretty much it. I, I just remember seeing them as a kid. And that's yeah. it. I, I couldn't tell you a single like detail about the movies. Yeah. Road to Perdition. And we were just talking about this. That's a comic book movie. But because it's not about like superheroes per se it's just kind of like a crime comic okay it doesn't really fit in our in our thing also they made one and done it won academy awards and it's not (laughs) by no means like a failed franchise where they try to make more and they couldn't you know right bunch of reasons why we can't touch that and then layer cake you ever see that i've never even heard of it me neither until i had a like a group chat with some friends and we made a a movie club Mm -hmm. we would assign movies to each other so one of my friends assigned me Layer Cake because he was like, this is the movie that got Daniel Craig in as James Bond. This was like essentially like his audition. It's like a crime movie in the UK. Okay. It's pretty good, actually. Is he the criminal? No. He works for like a crime organization. I think he's like a fixer. Okay. Or like a, an accountant. Yeah, I think that's what it's about. I think he's an accountant for a bunch of mobsters. Anyway, it's a good movie. Um, you should check right. it out. And then obviously James Bond. Oh, yeah. A series of James Bond films that you have not seen. I have not seen the Daniel Craig ones. You've seen the other ones? I've seen the Pierce Brosnan ones. Oh, okay. Have you seen the older ones? I think I've seen like one of the Sean Connery ones and that's it. Oh, they can be pretty fun, the old ones. Kind of campy though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're fun though. The, this newest iteration of James Bond is where it got like pretty good. Because they were fine before. Like, I mean, varying degrees of, you know, quality, I guess. Right. But, like, yeah, the Pierce Brosnan ones, like, one is really good, one is okay, and then, like, two of them are bad. <laughs> right? And, like, one, one of the, which is, like, absolutely horrible. Yeah. And that's kind of how it goes for a lot of these James Bond movies. But this is the part where they're like, what if we make this a little bit more serious and a little bit more serialized? Okay. Because the old James Bond movies are a very, like, episodic. Like, you don't have to watch them in order. You don't have it's to like watch a serial. them all. No, it's the no, opposite. No, the opposite of a serial. It's, it's like episodic, a, yeah. Uh, whereas, yeah. Yeah. So, whereas these, the Daniel Craig ones, have like overarching stories. Okay. And it was like a reboot, too, because Casino Royale is based on the very first novel, Casino Royale, but they didn't have the rights to like to make the movie. So, like, it's a movie that never got made, um, despite being the very first James Bond novel. There's a non canon Casino Royale movie. 
but it's not non-canon it's not like eon production so it, it doesn't involve like them so okay. they're like once they finally have the rights to it they use that as some inspiration to like reboot the series or whatever okay and then quantum of solace skyfall spectre and no time to die I heard that Quantum of Solace is like the weak one. Yeah, it okay. is because it was done during the writer strike. Oh, I don't know if you know this, but there was a big like uh, like fans were upset when they casted Daniel Craig because at the time James Bond was three things always: he had to be a man, he had to right. be British, and he had to have like handsome black hair. Okay. And Daniel Craig only checked off two of those boxes. He was blonde, <laughs> and they hated that. Fans were like in an uproar. About that, they casted a blonde man to be James Bond. Is he blonde in the movies, or did they dye his hair? No, like he's just blonde. He's like oh, a dirty okay. blonde. After the first movie, no one gave a shit because they're like, "Oh, this guy's awesome." <laughs> it was a good movie. He's a great. He's a great actor. He's a great James Bond. And then, have you seen some of these older movies that he did during his James Bond run? Yeah, the Golden Compass is terrible. I've never seen it. It's... I know it's like a Christian allegory, sort of, book. sort of. But, like, a lot of people consider it, like, anti-Christian for some reason. Oh, really? Yeah. Adventures of Tintin. I don't know who he voiced in that. Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. I've heard so much about it. I've never watched it. The, the American one. Because there's three of them that are um, Swedish? I haven't watched either version. So, okay. Uh, I haven't read the good. book it's based on either. Yeah. So, I watched all of them. I watched those three movies and then um, and the American one by David Fincher. Okay. Yeah, he's the guy who did like Seven and Zodiac and the Facebook movie. Okay, I've seen Zodiac and the Social Network. I think those yeah, are the yeah, only yeah. two movies of his that I've seen, though. He also did Alien 3, but he won't talk about it. Well, I don't blame him. Because <laughs> that was like his first movie that they just like handed it to it's him. It's not a good movie. And he, he, yeah, and he's like, this doesn't represent me at all. <laughs> like, he, he wants his name scratched off of it. He's embarrassed about it. Yeah, he's embarrassed by it. But yeah, Girl with the Go- uh, Dragon Tattoo is pretty good. Star Wars Force Awakens, he plays a... Stormtrooper. Stormtrooper. He's the one that gets mind controlled by uh, yeah by Ray to yeah drop unshackle her and drop the weapon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you listen close enough, you can sort of recognize his voice. Okay. Um, there was rumors that like his official name is like JB 7 but like his <laughs> or he's uncredited, but apparently it's like like an FN something something. But that's a missed opportunity because, like, it doesn't matter. Like, they're not going to say his name, you know. FN007. <laughs> yeah. Logan Lucky. Did you see that movie? I think it came out, like, two years ago. I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. It was one of those where I saw the trailer and I'm like, he looks really fun in that. Like, he's like a, he's like a wacky character. Okay. In that. And then Knives Out. I've seen that. He's great in that. Fantastic. Also, that's just a fun movie. It's a fantastic yeah. film. It's so good. It's worth rewatching. I think I've seen it three times. And they're filming the sequel now. Which oh, is, nice. I think the plan is going to be, because there's like three more that they're going to make. Okay. Or infinite. Is that uh, it's like an anthology. It's just he him goes around going solving around cases. solving cases. Yeah. It might be one of those situations where they rename the first one. I wouldn't be surprised. Like like the Chronicles of Benoit Blanc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They might lose some audience by doing that. I mean, because <laughs> people, people won't know it. Yeah, but we're, it's the internet now. So it's like, I don't know. People are stupid. Yeah. <laughs> A Knives Out film. I don't know. A Knives Out. So I wanted to look into more of like, does he actually hate James Bond or does he just feel like he can't escape it? You know, like outside of the films. Because he's only done five of them in like 11 years. (laughs) So like, 
it's not like it's a huge time commitment. You know what I mean? No, but it is one of the most like famous like characters in like yeah maybe literature, but I want to say like one of the most famous fictional characters. Absolutely, yeah, of all time. Seriously. So, so I mean, maybe it's that because they're good movies, but it's not a huge avenue for an actor to like stretch their chops, right? Yeah, like it's a very kind of like dry personality. It's mostly action. There, it's mostly it's just the a story and the plot. Role. Yeah, but I mean, most yeah. most of the fun in like a James Bond movie is the action and, and like the the mystery plot. Like, you know what I'm the, saying? The like, whole spy part. The of spy it. part of it exactly. Yeah. So it's not a huge thing for like an actor to knock out of the park. And he's like an incredibly talented actor. He wants to do like these more kind of creative roles. And I don't know. I love him as James Bond. And I'm kind of sorry that he's not doing it anymore. I mean, Eleven Years is a great run. Yeah. For like any role. At the same time, they make these movies so slowly. Like they could have made twice as many in this amount of time. That's true too. Spectre came out six years ago. <laughs> like it's taken six years for them to make a sequel to that. Damn. We need to actually watch those movies for you before the new one comes out. Yeah, I feel like I am kind of missing out by not seeing like these iterations of them. And that's the other thing is that like they come out so spread out that like every time a new one comes out, I have to like rewatch the whole series because again. it's been so. Because I don't remember them. Yeah, now it's been like six years since Spectre, so I'm like, oh fuck, I have to rewatch all of them again. I've seen Casino Royale a million times. <laughs> it maybe it's just the roles I've seen him in. I always feel like, and I kind of feel the same way about uh, Ryan Gosling. I always feel like he's kind of playing the same person until I saw Knives Out and I saw that he could actually. Be a bit more. Well, that's the thing. Animated. I'm, I've mostly only ever seen him in 007, but when you look at some of these other roles, like I mean, he's not that boxed in other than 007. So maybe you know it I mean? is just like the fact that he's that role. I just think of like, oh, that's James Bond. Yeah, he's just it might just he's be just James Bond. That like, yeah, Layer Cake was kind of similar, and I mean, that's what led to this. I don't remember him in some of these earlier roles. Um, and then like Logan Lucky's very different and then Knives Out is very yeah. different. It's like I loved him in Knives Out and honestly that's really the only real opinion that I could legitimately have on him because I haven't seen his James Bond movies. Yeah. I've seen a lot of clips from them and like trailers and stuff, but that's it. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing is like I, I mean maybe he is kind of boxed in because this movie, Cowboys and Aliens, I feel like they just told him to be James Bond. Except he doesn't talk. Yeah, right. He's I mean James Bond's kind of quiet too. Like he's just kinda like He's quiet. He's just he's doing his little trademark smirk. He's just trying to be like cool and like, sexy cowboy. And if James Bond were a cowboy, do that. Like, and <laughs> I can see why he'd be frustrated that everyone else gets to act around him, and he he has, he has to be the to same do. person. Yeah. yeah, he has absolutely nothing to do in this movie. So he probably got paid the most to be in it, though. I don't know. We got our next person here, but That's, yeah. Something I do like though is that he reprised the role of James Bond for a clip. In the 2012 Olympics. Have you ever seen this? In no. the London ones? No. So when London held the Olympics eight years ago now, or I guess nine, for the opening ceremonies, so the Queen had to be there, right? Because they're right. London's fucking hosting the Olympics. The Queen of England needs to show up to a thing for once. Um, and so they played a clip where James Bond, and this Daniel Craig playing James Bond, is taken into Buckingham Palace and he serves as the Queen's personal like bodyguard. Because, like, obviously, it's a, it's such a fun little bit. Right. And uh, he puts her on a helicopter. They jump off the helicopter and parachute into the stadium. Oh, obviously, shit. it's not the queen doing this right. stunt. Like, she just shows up in her seat. Yeah. But she she filmed the thing with, with Daniel Craig. So, you know, <laughs> it's fun. Ra- unless if you get 
knighted, it's rare to meet the queen under any circumstance. Don't a lot of English actors get knighted if, anyway, though? If they're doing a lot of, like, charity. Okay. They have to be doing a lot of good stuff, like, in real life to be knighted. Because I know you got Patrick Stewart, you got Ian McKellen, you got oh, there's a bunch Ewan of McGregor. Yeah. You... There's a bunch of them, but he's not. So it is rare to, like, actually be taken to Buckingham Palace and meet the queen. He, he just did it playing James Bond. So just as, like, the icon for, like, you know, English culture i guess even though it's just totally like american-made movies but right <laughs> they're, they're british books they're based and... on british books exactly yeah. ian fleming so overall keep i really like daniel craig and i'm excited as much as i love him as james bond i am excited for him to be done with it it's just him to have more roles you know i'm gonna say keep two i'm excited for the knives out sequel <laughs> i was gonna say more benoit blanc movies because yeah. those are fucking awesome and he's like honestly a joy to watch in that movie Oh, he's so good. His mannerisms are great. It's like a little Kentucky accent or whatever. Yeah. Whatever he's doing is so good. Harrison Ford, actor, pilot, who crashes sometimes, uh, <laughs> wears earrings, all around cool guy, always plays himself. <laughs> yeah. So is he an actor or do they just put him on set and film him? He might just be such a cool guy who oozes so much charisma that they just put him on set, tell him what to say. And it just works. And he's a multimillionaire now. Yeah. He's probably like half a billionaire. He started his career in... He, I mean, he's an actor. He wanted to act. And he had a bunch of small roles. Eventually, like, didn't like the roles he was in. He was very unhappy with them. <laughs> uh, and became a self-taught carpenter. Did you know this? I did know that. Because he, he just needed a job. So while being a carpenter, though, someone got him to audition for American Graffiti. Cars, it's the Fast yeah. and the Furious, but it's the fifties. He's and it's George like, Lucas. isn't his role in that movie kind of small though? I think he's like the bully. I've only seen it once, and I don't really remember much. Of I it. saw it when I was a kid because I heard Han Solo was in it. Wow, that's all it took. <laughs> that's all it took. <laughs> so that's how he meets George Lucas, and that pretty much sets off his career. Is just meeting George Lucas, right? Right. That movie actually exploded George Lucas's career too. It allowed him to get Star Wars off the ground. So for Star Wars, and I'm sure you know this because you're a huge Star Wars nerd, but maybe a lot of people don't, George Lucas got him to read for Han Solo only to help with the auditions because he specifically did not want Harrison Ford to play Han Solo. Right. He wanted no-name actors, and Harrison Ford was already, at least for him, too famous off of American Graffiti. The one movie. <laughs> the one movie. <laughs> but that movie took off, and it was a big summer fun hit, and... But it was like a, a teen movie so yeah. back in the 80s, 70s, 70s. 70s. Why did I say um, movies? Yeah, 70s. But it's set in the 50s, so there was a lot of nostalgia. That's kind of what it is. And it was only like 20 years prior, so yeah. it's still a lot of the adults going to watch the movie. They remember that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He just kind of helped right. workshop the other actors or whatever. But he had read for Han Solo so much that even next to like Kurt Russell and other very... Like he now was, famous actors, he just reading for Han Solo. Read it better. He was just better at it. And George Lucas was like, "Well, shit, I, I guess you're the guy. Like, we have no one else that's better than you." And Harrison Ford is like, so, "All right, yeah." So he just kind of like accidentally became one of the best characters ever. Yeah. So there's your answer. Who's cooler? Like, he wasn't even trying, and he got Han Solo. <laughs> If you go back, you can, get, you can see this on YouTube. If you go back and you watch the audition tapes for the other guys, like Kurt Russell, I forget who were the other ones that did it that are now also super famous. Next to Han Solo, they look like idiots. 
Like this was also early in their careers too. Sure, but like they're not selling it. Like Harrison Ford had a way of reading this crazy dialogue and making it seem real somehow. Yeah. It's his like because Harrison Ford famously did not like the dialogue that George Lucas wrote. Right. Well, that's the thing. Like he was also inserting like his human touch to it because George Lucas not writing good dialogue. Harrison Ford called him out on set one time. He was just like, you can say he admitted to it. He said, you can write this shit, George, but you can't say it. Yeah. And so it was like too Shakespeare. Yeah. To where it, it seemed like unnatural. And there's still bits of that in old Star Wars movies where they say it's, some lines and it's like, it's do mostly in the, talk like that. It's mostly in the prequels because I think he had got so much pushback in the originals that like they found the lines eventually. And he yeah. ad-libbed a lot of them, too. Oh, most of Han Solo's lines are ad-libbed, I think. Yeah, so he basically made it his own and made the most iconic character he, he ever. He made the character his own. Yeah. He, Harrison Ford, is Han Solo. Exactly, and that's the thing. Like I said, he mostly plays himself. Um, yeah. What we were talking about in this movie, in the first act, it puts Harrison Ford as like the antagonist. And you're like, oh, is he going to be the villain of this movie? And then by the time the aliens show up, you realize, oh, no, they're going to work together. And actually, this movie is going to focus a lot on proving that Han Solo's oh my god Harrison Ford's character is like a good guy proving that Han Solo's yeah. not out for his own hide right so he's just a hero again you know <laughs> what i'm saying it's just another like classic Harrison Ford role but yeah so Han Solo obviously the coolest guy um the, probably the next coolest guy after Han Solo is Indiana Jones yeah so so Indiana Jones was specifically the title of the movie was Raiders of the Lost Ark that's one that we were talking about, like, after the first one, they go back and they rename it because they're like, oh, this is going to be a series. And Raiders of the Lost Ark is specific to just this story, right? So we have to change the name. So they changed it to Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Dr. Henry Jones. Was it Henry? Yeah. Well, what's the father's name? Was it also Henry? Uh, you might be right, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Henry Because yeah, he's, he's junior, isn't he? I think so. So Indiana Jones. They're fun. The first one's so good. I cannot get through the second one. I don't have an, as the big an issue is with the second one as most people do. It's bad. I mean, maybe we watch it together. That way you can force me through it. But um, third one's good, too. And I need to rewatch it because I haven't seen it in a long time. Last Crusade's my favorite one. Are you serious? Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. I thought you said Crystal Skull. I was no, like, you're the no, only no, no, person no. I've ever met who said that. Oh, no, 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 no. Crystal Skull's eh. It's, it's not that bad, either. It's It's, amp, it's not it's horrible, like people were saying, but it, like... It's not as good. One and three are better. Exactly. I do think Temple of Doom's the weakest one. It's also the one that's probably the least important to the whole franchise. Well, that's why it's like a random prequel. Yeah. So they wouldn't have to like think too hard about the script. It's just a random it's adventure. It's just one of his adventures. Yeah. yeah. With short round. Yeah. So because of Indiana Jones, again, movies that George Lucas wrote and his best friend. Steven Spielberg. Thank you. Steven Spielberg made. He thought, again, that uh, Harrison Ford was even more too famous for Han Solo, and he tried to kill Han Solo off in Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Harrison Ford wanted to be killed off, too. And he asked for it. Yeah. And I think because of popular demand, he was brought back. He was brought back. Because it was left in the air whether or not he'd Yeah, they survive. had time to think about it for Return of the Jedi. If, if they were going to unfreeze him. Yeah, they had a few him. years to think about it. Yeah. If, are they going to unfreeze him, or is he going to like be dead, basically? Yeah. So I'm glad they brought him back, obviously. Like, yeah. He's one of the best parts of Return of the Jedi, actually. Maybe, yeah. All the shit he does on Endor is just great. Mm -hmm. But he's also great in The Force Awakens. Yeah. I was actually upset that they killed him in that. Blade Runner. You ever seen Blade Runner? Yes. That's a very good movie. So fucking good. Is he a replicant? We'll never know. I think the answer it. 
And the next movie. I don't remember that. I haven't seen the second one. It is so good. Blade Runner 2049. Well, let me get to it. So he's an E.T., by the way. I don't know if you know this. It's Uh-oh. a cameo. Apocalypse Now. The Vietnam movie? Yeah. That's a good movie. Uh, so the Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan book. or Well, there are books, but the movies. Patriot Games and Clear and Present Danger. Okay. You ever seen those? Yes. I've seen them each once, and I do not remember any of it. Does he play Jack Ryan? He's Jack Ryan. That's yeah. okay. He's the more famous of the Jack Ryans. Yeah, because the current Jack Ryan we have is uh, Jim Halpert from The Office. Yeah, because the first one was, what's his name? Alec Baldwin was the first Jack Ryan. Yeah. Uh, the Hunt for Red October? Yeah, that one. And then Harrison Ford and Patriot Games, Clear and Present Danger. And then the fourth one was not that long ago. It was like Chris Pine, right? Was it Chris Pine? Yeah, Chris Pine plays Jack Ryan. In a okay. Movie, in a more recent movie. There was another Ben Affleck did it too. Sorry, Ben Affleck did the one where there's a nuke that's going to go off in the city. Which one was that called? I don't fucking know. <laughs> Hold on. I do I remember the Harrison Ford ones. Okay, so Jack I, Ryan, that's a role where only like the coolest guys ever have played him. Yeah. yeah Chris Pine. Uh, that's also like the most famous Tom Clancy character. Some of all fears is uh the ben affleck one the movie's yeah. pretty good if i remember i mean i was like in middle school when it came out and then chris pine was in jack ryan's shadow recruit okay yeah 2014 by kenneth Branagh. and john krasinski is currently playing jack ryan in the tv show and i guess the show's still going because it says 2018 and it just says dash cool anyway six days seven nights you ever see that movie yeah that's it's probably one of his that's probably one of his worst movies no that movie's good <laughs> When'd you see it last? We saw it like, I was young. We saw it like a year ago during lockdown. I, so, I was young, so maybe I just didn't appreciate it. I think it holds up. It's not like... I mean, it's not like the best movie ever. It's a, it's kind of a silly action rom-com. And hmm. I think it holds up. We had fun with it. You should give it a try. It's fun. It's a little okay. Christmas movie. Is it Christmas? Is it Christmas light? It's very <laughs> Christmas light because they want to spend Christmas in like Fiji. Okay. So they go to Fiji. It's... Oh, fuck. I forget her name. And the guy, David Swimmer from Friends. Ross. Yeah, they're engaged. <laughs> they go to Fiji. They get their own plane, but then they got to get another plane to get to the island. So, like, okay. they hire, like, a like a really bad pilot. Again, Harrison. he's just playing himself. Uh, and it's Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> he's just playing himself. Bad pilot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he's, like, a drunk. She has to go back to the mainland for, like, a work thing. So she hires Harrison Ford to take her back. They crash land on a deserted island, and they fall in love, and hilarity ensues. And poor Ross Geller gets left at the altar again. No, he has a whole fling with another chick, too. It's, so he's it's a, a piece thing. of shit. It's a whole thing. It's a really good movie. I haven't seen it since I was a kid, so I remember nothing it's... except for, I was like, this isn't Han Solo. It's a fun little rom-com. <laughs> anyway, K-19 Widowmaker. Never seen that one. Never seen it. Air Force One. I've seen That's the movie a, badass a movie. thousand times. It's such a badass movie. It is so ridiculous when you think about it, but it's one of those movies, don't think about it too much. Oh. You know, Harrison Ford plays the president. He's on Air Force One and he gets hijacked by terrorists and he fights them all off. It's like a better version of those movies that came out like a few years ago where like the White House gets attacked and the. Oh, yeah. Like uh, White House Down. Like or... White House Down. Then there was the Jamie Foxx one. There's a bunch of them. Wait, there, there's Olympus Has Fallen and White House Down. Those are different. They're different, but they're like the, but same. They're the same. Right. Yeah. I like the Olympus Has Fallen better. I didn't see either of them. That's the one with Gerard Butler. I thought they looked dumb. Although Gerard, 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 I can't say his name, Butler, he is suing Disney. 
because they're like they didn't pay him enough I, it's, okay. it's it's because of a uh, scarjo's thing then now he's getting oh uh, so those he, movies are old too he, like he should they're before streaming they had nothing to do with streaming it had to do with like what exactly his producer rights or something because he like produced the first one or he's in all of them and i don't i don't remember maybe he didn't he didn't get paid for his the producer part of the job i have no idea Hollywood Homicide, and then he started reprising his roles. So, Indiana Jones, Crystal Skull, Blade Runner 2049, Star Wars. Yep. Two Star Wars movies, despite... Again, people yeah. think that he doesn't like Star Wars, but... He doesn't seem to have a problem going back for them. Well, I mean, he's he's very open about this. He gets paid a lot of money. It's a job. Like, so, he's again, like, hell yeah. I'm for him, it's it. a movie that he maybe sort of likes, but he doesn't He doesn't really he's care about it. He's not passionate about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's just not passionate about it. But he doesn't want to go to cons and pretend like when Tom Hiddleston dressed up as Loki to go to fucking. Oh, yeah. No, Harrison Ford wouldn't do that. Never in a million years. <laughs> like ever. I don't think he'd do that for any of his characters, though. No, he's just I not. I think he, he likes making movies. He doesn't like fans that yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally get it. If I was him, I'm like, I would be doing the same thing. I'd be like, get out of my face. Don't ask me about the same role I've been doing I, for 50 years. I'm not Han Solo. I'm like, Harrison. It's been almost 50 years of Han Solo. Like, I get it. He's sick of it, you know? <laughs> Call to the Wild. It's him and a dog. It no. looks sad, so I don't want to watch it. It's a sad dog movie. I don't like sad dog <laughs> movies. Togo fucked me up. Okay, so um, Harrison Ford. Again, one of the coolest guys ever. Oh, I love him. Doesn't seem to be problematic in the slightest. <laughs> like, no. He's just like an all-around cool dude. Uh, we, were, we were reading about his like uh, his charities and his uh, environmentalism. Probably more that he's just a cool guy. He has a spider species named after him and an ant species named after him. <laughs> so it doesn't get any cooler than that. Obviously, a, a big old keep. Hell yeah. Cool. So that wraps up for Keep or Cancel. Final thoughts. Movies is Cowboys and Aliens. Birdo, do you want to go first? <laughs> yeah. I like this movie. I don't love it. But it is enjoyable. Again, the main character, not very well developed, but all the side characters are incredibly well developed. Yeah. Which is a bit odd, but I'm here for it. Good action. The score is a bit forgettable. I, You know what? When we were in the analysis, I was like, oh, let me talk about the music. I'm like, was there music in this movie? There was, That's but it was literally very like, generic. Yeah, not a great thing. But um, the overall plot is fine enough you know like in parts yeah like it's an enjoyable movie to watch like recreationally Mm -hmm. this isn't a movie that you necessarily want to analyze like we are no not necessarily (laughs) so phantom zone no not phantom zone think about it for a second there no i i would not put this in the phantom zone because i do think it's just i like genre mishmashes too Mm -hmm. so this is just it's fun in that regard like you said i like pineapple and pizza Okay, cool. This is my pineapple yeah. and pizza. Because you said you liked Pride of Prejudice and Zombies. and Yeah, and Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln Vampire. Vampire like, they're just <laughs> they're just fun. Yeah, I like this movie, I think. There's a big asterisk on, I think. I, I, think, th- I think I like it. So here's the thing. I feel like it's a, it's a real downward trajectory with these uh, Orsi and Kurtzman movies where you finish the movie and you're like, wow, that was awesome. And then, like I said, five minutes later, you're like, but wait a second. And then, like, an hour later, you're like, just hold the fucking door for a second. What? What is this? Is this bad? Is it bad? And then, like, later, you're just, like, angry and angry. And I feel like I watched this movie today. It hasn't been a full day yet. Barely been a few hours. So I feel like I might have a whole different opinion tomorrow. I might actually hate this movie tomorrow. But as of this current moment, I think it's fine. And that's just kind of it. Like, I think it's 
pretty good. But like you said, you can't think about it too much. And that's kind of a shame because I don't feel like that's what movies are. Like people say like, oh, it's just a popcorn flick. Like just turn your brain off and watch it. I'm like, that's a bad excuse. Like you're making an excuse for the movie at that point. I think all movies should have some level of substance that you can kind of sit and think about. And like, you know, they should hold your attention for more than the amount of time that you're watching it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, there's also people that don't want to watch those type of movies. Well, fuck them. Like, that's not... Okay, but the thing is, is like, for those people, they might not see it like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can go watch Star Wars, and you and I would be thinking about it for the next, like, three days. We'll be replaying it in our heads, be like, oh, there's a thing I didn't even think about. That is part of, like, the archetype and the hero's journey and blah, blah, blah. Oh, and the music there was... And someone else would be like, that was fun. And then they fuck off and go home. Or the people would be like, that was boring. Nothing happened. Ex- yeah, seriously. <laughs> Fucking seriously. But you know what I'm saying? Like, So, like, maybe overthinking movies isn't for everybody. However, every movie should have something that you can at least, like, digest over time. Something to think about. Yeah, some yeah. substance. Yeah. And I think this movie is mostly wasted potential. Great idea on paper. Mm. Um, Again... It's a couple different premises all put in one. It's like, what if aliens attacked when we weren't technologically ready for that invasion? And it's the 1800s and all we have is horses. And like, that's a fun idea. uh, That is such a fun idea. You know, it's like Back to the Future 3 where it's like, all right, what if they go too far back into the past? And now they're on horses. They can't get plutonium. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's that. It's a genre mashup. Like we said, it's pineapple on pizza. It's an interesting experiment. I'm going to not phantoms on this movie if only because it's interesting. All like right. this movie is worth rewatching because it's like, here's an experiment. Let's let's test this out. Yeah. You know, let's see what you think. Let's talk about it. But not because I'm like, oh, I love this so much. I can just rewatch it again. But like again, like the main character's substance dialogue, it's non-existent. He has one good scene. <laughs> There's a love plot that doesn't sort of. make any sense. And then we have to question whether it even is a love plot. Like. Ah, there's a lot of little plotting things that, you know, they wrote in this that seems repetitive or nonsense or redundant. Like, I don't know. Right. It's borderline, but it's again, it's <laughs> it, interesting. It, it just barely makes it. But yeah. It, okay. If only because it's interesting. I did forget to say when I was talking about it, though, that this movie's also just very well acted. It's got a lot of good actors. I have no complaints about any no. of the acting. No. All right. So that's it for us, you guys. So, Berto, what movie are we doing next? X-Men. The first one. Is it 2000? I think it's 90. Is it not 99? No, it's 2000. But yeah, X-Men. X-Men, 2000. So that's going to kick off like our X-Men series. And there's like 11 movies or something like that. There might be more. I think it's 11. So we're going to be doing, within the next three episodes, we'll do X-Men, X2, and X-Men 3, which is X-Men The Last Stand. Yes. And then at one point, we'll come back. We'll do like the three Wolverine movies. But then in a different time, we'll do, like, the prequel movies. The prequel movies that so, like, become, first, like, the new timeline. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, so, like, yeah. First Class, Days of Future Past, Apocalypse? That's Apocalypse. Dark Phoenix. Dark Phoenix. And um, then, so that's a foursome. And then New Mutants. New Mutants is kind of on its own, so we're just going to do it on its own, too. True. And then there's the three Wolverine movies, like I said. So okay. we're not going to, like, do, like, 11 movies. 11? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 11. Yeah, it's 11. It's 11. Uh, so we're not going to do 11 movies all, like, at once. But, yeah, we're going to break them off probably, like, 3, 3, Break them off four, in the same. And we'll do the same thing with, like, when we get to Sp- the Spider-Man movies. Well, yeah, but those are also, like, different. They're not connected. No. 
you know. They're like actually different series. Exactly. And we already Ninja Turtles because there's two more Ninja Turtles movies that are not connected to. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Like, the rest. Like, yeah. We'll, we have to make our way around. Like, I mean, we're gonna do some more Batman. Yeah, I guess X Men would be the longest like running series that we'd be doing them, right? Yeah. Again, it's eleven movies, and we're not counting Deadpool because Deadpool. I mean, they're making a Deadpool three. Yeah. So and it's in the MCU now somehow. somehow. Multiverse, probably. I don't know. <laughs> that's probably it, actually. Multiverse. Yeah. Cool. So that's available on Disney Plus, right? The first one is. Yep. Yes. I don't know if they all are. I don't think they are. I think are. there's a couple that are not yet. I think, like, New Mutants is on HBO Max or something like that. I think it is, because I think that's where I watched it I one think day. I like it's streaming, whatever. I haven't seen that movie. I, I saw it just the one time, but, yeah. I just I'll said, I was save like, my oh. opinion on it. Yeah, I was like, oh, we're going to watch it when we eventually get there so that's when I'm going to watch it mm. but I have not seen Dark Phoenix at all me neither yeah. <laughs> so that'll all be a surprise I saw Apocalypse once and I was like eh. I had so many questions I, I didn't like so Apocalypse. many questions I'm like none of this makes sense like how did it get so bad after Days of Future Past which, which was, was considered so good Days of Future Past I think might be the best one out of all I think my first be class is pretty good movie. too yeah but I think Days of Future Past is better alright Hey, whatever. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to that piano dude for a musical intro. Make sure you leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That'd be great. All our episodes are on YouTube, and you can leave a rating and review there. Not a rating. You can leave... Not a review. You can just be nice and don't leave mean comments, actually. We've had a couple mean comments. Uh, but you can like and subscribe on YouTube. Um, like I said, it's just our podcasts are on there. No video element. If you do want a video element... We record all these episodes on Twitch live, so it's a recording process. It's not the finished, polished Yeah, episode. it's not us putting the show on for you guys. Well, yeah. we're putting a show on for you guys, but not the show. So we actually just kind of like stopped and like chit-chat for a minute about like what movie are we going to do next. Like yeah. We weren't prepared for that. That's the kind of stuff that you get to see uh, on Twitch. Yes. And if you're there on Twitch... You could probably help us decide what movie. You can we're make doing suggestions, next. yeah. Because a lot of times we pick them at random. Yeah, we're like, what, what the fuck is coming out and what's relevant to what we're watching? Yeah. Uh, then we'll probably put that on a Patreon tier as soon as we get some patrons. Recommend the next movie, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like you get to vote on it. Anyway, so that's Twitch.tv at Films from PZ. Twitch.tv slash Films from PZ. That's it. Uh, <laughs> Otherwise, you can find us on Instagram at Films from the Phantom Zone, and you can find us on Twitter at Films from PZ. Uh, so, again, guys, we'll be back next time with X Men 1. Yeah, original X Men. Yeah. OG, original gangster X Men. Uh, that'd be fun. I'm so excited for that. I guess bye. I feel like I'm forgetting something. <laughs> I'm not forgetting anything. Well, bye. <laughs> See you guys.